What's up, fam? Welcome back to That's the Ingo. And guys, I just want to say before we get into this episode, I just want to say that if it is your first time listening to That's the Ingo, thank you. And secondly, um, a little bit about me. My name is Bruce Allen. I am a professional photographer based in Washington, D.C. And this podcast, while it started as a way for me to talk to other photographers and just have fun, it has evolved into me uh, talking to creatives in the scene in Washington, D.C. and just doing, you know, people who are doing really cool shit. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. And the thing is, is that if you're not from Washington, D.C. and you're listening, all of these people stories and hustles and hardships and everything can they all still apply to everything else it just happens to be in dc so if you're in dc check out some of the people and what they do when you get here or just creep on them on instagram whatever it's up to you and also you can watch every episode on youtube at youtube.com slash the bruce allen see what i look like see what the guests look like sometimes it puts a, a face to the name could be nice anyways guys uh this interview with doyle of enemies is super sick and uh just for a little preface doyle is uh the owner the genius the creative genius behind one of the biggest uh dc-based clothing companies in northern virginia dc maryland uh it's called enemies he has a shop based out in silver spring maryland it's just right outside dc but it's dc and he is he's just been doing some killer shit and recognized by a lot of people in the game so i i just think there's a lot of value in this podcast in just what he's learned how he's moving um everything about it and we just have an overall good time is drink a little bit of whiskey so guys uh let me stop talking and enjoy the episode on ones. Did you ever oh, have this the square I, Digimon ones? No, I think by the time Digimon came out, like I had like the first version back in the day. I think. Here, bring that shit up to your face. Oh. Yeah, you can maneuver it, MacGyver it, whatever, cool. whatever's comfortable for you. Dude, the Digimon were sick though, man. I remember getting those. We used to go so crazy with them after school, and you have to like raise them and get the eggs, and then you could connect them in battle, and that was really? the best part. I could. I never got to do any of that stuff. My parents always be like, "You don't need that." <laughs> <laughs> That was always that's for American people. <laughs> I was like, oh, it was only sad when it was the Tooth Fairy and and and, and Disney World. <laughs> they were like, my tooth came out. My mom was like, well, dude, uh, cool. Shall we uh, have a little sip? Sure, sure, definitely. Yeah, well, guys, welcome back to that's the angle, and uh, I am here with Doyle. He is the genius, the man behind Enemies, What's up? and. What's up? Um, Super happy to have you on, man. Dude, pleasure, like when pleasure. I first started this podcast, I had a list of people who I want to interview and you were like, you're on that list. I'm very flattered. And <laughs> so like, be at this point, we're going to drink. Appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> it. Definitely. Yeah. You said you like whiskey, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Bourbon, yeah. whiskey. Yeah. When I, when I went to your shop the uh, the other day, I was like, oh, I'm going to check everything out. You know, it's like, it's only right that I do some like field research and whatever. Yeah. And then you said you like a little bit of whiskey. And I was like, well... <sighs> Finally, an excuse to drink on the show. <laughs> oh, you don't drink on the show usually? Sometimes? I, it just never comes up. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They always try to, a lot of podcasts I've been on, they always have the liquor. Really? Sometimes I get real sauced up and get excited. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we're, get, we're getting all the juice cheers, today. Cheers, hey, cheers, cheers bro. Yes. yes. Hey, dude, I'm on my way here. Um, turns out, I didn't take a sip of this shit. Oh, damn. Well, that's smooth. Basil Hayden's is yeah, good. Basil Hayden's a winner. Shout out Basil Hayden's. Yep, definitely. See, on the right here, uh, someone reposted on their story that they had watched one of my podcasts. Yeah. And that uh, they they literally put their two weeks in at their job because they were inspired from that podcast. Oh, sweet. Yeah, sweet. I, I interviewed some like wedding photographer 
and he he like told this whole thing, you know, he listened to it and he felt inspired, and so he quit and everything. I was like, what? Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's scary a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like people tell me stuff like that, and I'm like, really? Oh, I mean, I think when you're on the creative journey and you're doing it, and you decided to let go of all the safety harnesses and just free free willy. Yeah. And it's just like uh, people just people just see it and they admire it. And sometimes I don't think people know. I think it's I think how it's tough it is sometimes, but hey, you got to find out if it's for you or not. I think it's one of those things that looks really cool and sounds really fucking cool. It's pretty cool though. It is really cool. <laughs> it, 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 especially especially if you're able to make it work. Exactly. But it's it's not easy. And it I think not. that's the thing that really 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 like kills people is that it's not easy. But yeah, who knows? I mean, well, especially in clothing, like something, something that you're in, it's, you know, it's not something that everyone needs. Oh, you yeah. know, same thing with me. Not everyone needs photography. So it's like, how do we try to make people want what we have? You gotta, you gotta, it's, it's all about the smoke and mirrors. And it's like a needs and wants thing. You kind of try to make things, to be honest, in, in the, in the clothing business, it's, it, people buy their wants more than they want. Than they do their needs most times. Really? Most people should be buying like socks and underwear because that really wears out before sneakers do. Facts. Like, <laughs> I know probably a bunch of guys got like really nice sneakers, but you know, they probably need to go to the Target and buy some new underwear. <laughs> so, you know, it's not really like, and you're thinking about what you're gonna wear now opposed to like what you're gonna wear later. So it's just like, and most people, they don't really have it like that to buy it in advance. So, it's all about like now mm -hmm. and it's like it's kind of like a need but it's really like people it's when it comes to like buying their casual clothes all about once that's why everybody buys athletic shoes even even though they like kind of think they're going to work out in them yeah it never really makes it out to be in a workout shoe it just becomes their casual shoe that's what it is well it's it's interesting because uh would you say you're like a streetwear brand i think so i'm i think yeah i i think i, I would think i would epitomize a streetwear brand yeah I I mean I don't know like I don't know what the classification is is it like is it like, I mean, is like, it like what you wear like with the, it or? I think the way it is is just like a it's probably like streetwear is probably like something along the lines of like a Stussy which Stussy is like the Levi's of streetwear they're the first people to do it that that's a fact yeah, man so like you know it's um I think it's really a lot of things that's like based in graphic art and uh, some components of stealing a little bit. Um, the first Stussy sign that was stealing is like the double S is uh, the yeah. Chanel sign. You know, it's the double C changed into the double S. So with that is like the birth of streetwear. So it's always going to be like elements of stealing from something else, maybe high end or something like that. And it's a lot of like a uh, graphic art. It's just graphic that's art true. that's being printed onto shirts, stuff like that. The more Some of the more, uh, you know, higher end brands can do cut and sew, but it's not necessarily like that. I mean. When you say it like that, it sounds very like re rebellious, but almost like it came from graffiti culture in a weird yeah. way. Yep, something like that, pretty much. Because I think it's like skateboarding, graffiti culture, hip-hop. All those things really make like a streetwear culture. Also like a like sports culture as well. Mm. But I think it's just that like whole, like if you're from that late 90s or early 2000s era, like that whole era inspired that whole time. Yeah, so for sure. It's, it's, I guess it's kind of like coming back now, I guess. it's It's like... What's the graffiti mantra? Uh, break dancing, writing, and then DJing. DJing. I yep. think. I think now in the new day, the new age, you could throw clothing uh, in there. Definitely, definitely, because there's just as many <laughs> clothing brands as there are rappers <laughs> or 
anything. There's way more clothing brands than there are graffiti designers. I mean, dude, <laughs> like as as someone in photography came who like, I see clothing brands pop up all the time. I can't tell you how many streetwear brands I've seen pop up in like the last year mm-hmm. where I'm just like, oh, okay, like that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you found a good font, <laughs> you know? And, and, and it's like no shade to them. Like I respect the hustle yeah. and everything, but, but with you and enemies, it seems like you've, you've like ascended that, like, like you, like you're above it all. Well, I don't want to say that. I just, um, you know, I come through a long, like I come through the, 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 DMV like a retail chain so I've been involved in selling clothes in the district or the the DMV area since like the uh early 2000 I want to say 2001 I first started working for up against the wall it's like a sales associate so you know I've been in the game for a long time really like getting dressed and wearing nice clothes is something I always wanted to do anyway but um I really when I first wanted to do everything we just wanted to make a brand well i wanted to make my brand be something that could be where you could see it on a national stage Mm -hmm. and you would never have to be like oh that's from dc or that's from this or that's from that you just look at it as a shirt and you just be like oh that's a dope shirt like no one could look at it and be like oh that's clearly for this group of people or it's clearly like this exactly it embraces everyone kind of sort of we try to make enough stuff where it's like that with a brand name like enemies forever it kind of encompasses a lot of stuff. Yeah. You do sports. It's kind of a dark name, I think, but enemies forever, man. Yeah. Who did you hate when you made that name? Well, apparently I hate a lot of people. (laughs) 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 Or apparently they don't don't like me either, but it's cool. I mean, it's a, it's kind of like a, how, I hate to tell this to people, but all the time it's just like you give your friends advice when they're going through problems. And I always tell them something when they're going through problems with their friends and they're like, oh, I thought, I thought that person was my friend. And you're just always like, friendship is not forever. Dude, that, those are facts. Enemies are. And, <laughs> and that's usually the case with most people, you well, know? I never and thought about it like that, yeah. We were, and I wanted to, people always ask me about like the name. I think a lot of people be like sad sometimes because it's not an acronym. And I'll be like, that's 14 letters, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, 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 what could enemies mean? What could, what could each letter mean? I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, I'd be like, oh, maybe if we did some more stronger drugs, we could get to that. But I don't know. Like, but for me, um, enemies forever has just always meant like, uh, you know, it's, it's just like, yeah, I don't like you. And it's forever and we don't have no problems. And then to be honest with you, there's like, everybody can kind of relate with that. Mm-hmm. Like there's always somebody that somebody doesn't like, and they just be like, yeah, I don't have no problem that you don't like me. I don't like you. And it is what it is. Yeah. We're just enemies. We're, <laughs> we're just cool. We're going to kick it like that. Definitely. Definitely. But dude, that, that's like a really interesting thing that you mentioned about like friendships versus enemies, dude. Like I've always had this weird philosophy in life that like friends are like waves on the beach and they come in, they come out. Sometimes they stay for longer. Sometimes they go on. But like, there's like a natural ebb and flow of like friendships in your life. Definitely, you know. And I guess enemies is just, is just like the whale on the beach that just doesn't die. That yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you could probably got into a beef like years ago with somebody who might even be like still in your proximity, and they might do something well, but your enemies. So you're just always going to be aware, and you're always going to feel that way. Like, man, I want to do better than him. And I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. I think there's lately, like, people have gone away from, like, competition, too, mm-hmm. which is really, like, sad. Like You, you like the competition? Oh, I like all? the competition. I mean, if there was a way to monetize it, like, if they, like, we should just have all-out battles all the time between each other. Like, not in a personal kind of way. Yeah. I came up with the whole, we did a Enemies versus Eat a couple years ago. I was there. 
And in my mind, I was like, we're just going to market it like a boxing match. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at first we thought about doing some like foolery, like making some fake beef and like acting so, foolish. So some like internet hype shit, <laughs> but some Instagram. But I, think, I think at that moment we just like realized that like, uh, like Malik is like, he's, he's really influential. Um, I'm not as influential as on Instagram, but you know, I knew a lot of people and like, you know, I grew up in DC as well. So um, we thought putting a positive spin on it would be the best thing to do. And really, it was great. Like, it was a real uh, time. Yeah. We saw, like, the, the old D.C., new D.C., a lot of people come out and, like, uh, really enjoy an event that was made for everybody. I mean, that was a cool event. I mean, I, the pro, the promo was really cool. I could tell it was inspired by the Basquiat Andy Warhol yeah. yep, original photo, and you guys were there with the boxing gloves, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, this is genius. <laughs> I like, this is good. I mean, we did a lot of stuff for that pop-up. Like, we, had, we were the first people, like, that I remember. We had, uh, I want to say... What is what is my man's name? I forget his name, but he we created a Street Fighter, the eight bit image where it says like it says like uh, enemies versus eat, and then it's like says fight, and then the images change into our thing, and they like collide into each. Other. And it's like yeah, it's like crazy stuff we did. Like I I wish we could have just like kept on going doing stuff like that. Unfortunately, it just costs a lot of money to do stuff like that. But yeah, it was a great experience. Like I, we I I don't think to be honest, like anybody has really replicated that moment since we did that. I mean, that felt like a big event. Like that, that felt, when I saw that at that point, I was like, dang, this is like DC's two clothing brands really actually doing it on a scale yeah. that could be national. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I knew I couldn't miss it. But like for you, how were you viewing that whole event? Cause it seems like you had like a lot of respect for, for E and what they're doing. Well, I mean, and like um, me and uh, uh, Malik, I didn't know Malik personally, but I knew his brother Melvin who runs mm -hmm. the business side. And uh, we known each other for some years. Um, he and my my friend, my, my one of my investors, they grew up together in DC. So it's like you know, it was a natural thing. I'm sure really you got, like you got you investors. Know, yeah, I have one. That's dope. A investors tight. And uh, I have some other people I owe money to, but they're they're friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, we uh, there was a lot of knocks on E coming up. Try, like, try and keep that mic you know, around your face. So basically, there was a lot of knocks on Yeet. Like, they were like, uh, everybody's talking about, it's just a shirt that you do iron on, hit. But I'm walking around D.C., and I'm seeing it every four steps I take. Somebody has a hat on or mm -hmm. shirt on, or it's a, up on the wall somewhere, and they're having events and stuff. And I'm just like, they're the biggest brand in town. Like, like, like it didn't matter how it was yeah, made. It's, it's like, more about the impact, I yeah, guess. Yeah, like, you know, in the... In, in the younger day, people would, like, not hate. I mean, people usually hate on stuff because they can't do it. Just to be honest. Like, True. you know, like, you could see him sell patch T-shirts, and it would probably make you mad. But <laughs> you can't sell patch T-shirts, so of course you're going to be mad about it. What do you mean patch T-shirts? Like, he was ironing. He just had, like, the iron-on mm. patch onto the shirt. And then people were getting mad that he was selling those out left and right. Like, like why can he do it, and why, why can't everyone or, or like, why are people buying that or whatever the case may be. But the re reality is what you should be thinking about is how is he getting everyone to buy this? Ah. And for some reason, a lot of people never felt that way. And the first thing I thought of was like, man, this shit is everywhere. <laughs> we got to get on this. I need to, I need to find out. I need to get with this guy because he, to me, like he still is the biggest brand in DC. Anybody want to say any other brand? 
Malik has like no, a 100%. 50 store deal with the downtown locker room. That's excluding his deal with Shoe City. That's real shit. That's yeah, real you know deals. I mean? So it's like, you can't like, and I think I was one of the first people to reach out and try to work with him and try to do something big. And we did something big and I feel great about it. But you can only do that when you've built something yourself. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, in the clothing industry, like in the area, like I worked with core, I worked with up against the wall, uh, back of house. Like a lot of people, they know us like, We've, I just, we just been in the clothing industry for like so long and being a, like a clothing creative really, you, I didn't really feel like it was possible really like, until maybe 20, um, maybe 2014, I might thought it would have been possible because clothing started to change. Really? Like um, streetwear didn't make me feel like I could do streetwear. The long, the long line clothes and like a different, you know, remember everybody was wearing like long shirts, tight pants. Everybody looked like they were in a start like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone had the fuck boy fit. And then, yeah. And then I was like, I can make that kind of clothes. So I had started a brand with uh, one of the owners of Back of House. Uh, uh, his name is Kevin. Um, we started a brand and uh, we made those kind of clothes, like long line clothes, biker jeans. But it wasn't like enemies that. back then. No, it wasn't. We started, I was called Amongst Us. We mm-hmm. did one season. Um, Kevin got real busy. Things just didn't work out for a second season. So I just moved on. And, and I went in with another person to do another brand, which is called Unexpected, which I fully like designed everything from head to toe. I drew out all the things. And it was pretty cool, to like, be honest. Like you designed the garments? The garments, yes. Like from head to toe, I measured everything. Whoa. The only thing at that time, that was my first time doing it. And it wasn't like I had any experience doing it. It mm-hmm. kind of was really janky. So I had gotten this manufacturing deal in Pakistan. And I just started talking to him about like, how can I, what can I do? He just says, send me a picture of what you like or, you know, do it however you think. Yeah. And I would just like send over. So I would find things that I would like. Um, and I would take the measurements off of those items. That's slick. And then I would recreate the items with new pieces onto it mm. with those measurements because I knew that's how something would fit. Dude, that's so smart, right? As opposed to trying to reinvent the wheel. <sighs> yeah, well, my manufacturer wasn't that good, though. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, we made a bunch of stuff, and it kind of was okay at first, but, like, we kind of... It's kind of disheartening going into, like, Zara or H&M and then realizing that like they can make something maybe slightly better than yours for twelve dollars yeah that retail that has to be interesting, that has to be interesting <laughs> so, feeling like walking to a store yeah. and look at all this fast fashion and you're just and like, it's like fuck you're right there because i can't afford to get like some kind of italian like some higher end stuff so i was just like oh, okay so we started and we got into about like two and a half seasons of it and then um i just was like really at a rough point because at that time my partner was like i think your designs are okay dual no problem with the designs he said our manufacturer sucks dang and he's like if like we can't do it i don't want to really put up like because we were selling like 14 18 thousand dollars over to pakistan <sighs> like if the guy wanted to run away he could have just ran away with the money you know that's so sketchy it, but you know so we just did it and it always worked out but um, How did you meet someone? Was it like Alibaba or something? So like Kevin met a guy who's doing manufacturing in England, but he wasn't doing the actual man. He was an agent, which you'll find in like the manufa- clothing manufacturing 
industry. You think you might know the manufacturer, but oftentimes you just know an agent. Oh, shit. And he's over there. He's taking your order. You're like, oh, I need these jackets. So you know, like all these other dist- like manufacturers, so you take the order to them and be like, you make jackets, right? Oh, so that's probably what he's doing. He's that's like, that's what most people are doing yeah. over there. So, you know, that's what happens. So we, we meet the guy. I actually get into it with the guy in England. And I'm like, you're stealing from him. Actually, like I put up like, I want to say maybe like seven or $8,000 to Damn. get the whole order made like the first time. And then like, and then like it was getting delayed and I got real wild with the guy via email and on like Skype or something. Damn. And then he just ended up giving me the Pakistan. Uh, <laughs> you just talk to him directly. I don't want to deal with you anymore. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. And then, you know, it just took us like a year and a half to figure out that that the problem was that the manufacturer is kind of bad. And he just wasn't like a manufacturer. He was an agent. Uh-huh. Well, so I guess it's hard with the brand because you're trying to line up all these things for seasons. So then you're honest, dealing with you, like at that time, I had no clue. What do you mean? Bless you. Like, Thank I, you. I, like I was in the industry, understood like buying, but I never understood like, okay. I understood like we're going to make winter clothes because it's hot right now. <laughs> you know, my brain understood that. But I was like, like trying to get it in on time, trying to make everything work, even like the fabrics. Like I'm thinking, you know, it's the first time making clothes. Like, oh, they'll pick something good for me. Actually, one thing they did do is they never really gave me poopy fabric. Hey, that's what's up. They couldn't really sew like really great straight lines, but like the fabric wasn't poopy. Well, it, it, <laughs> like I feel like the thing with clothing brands is like it it feels like you can have a shirt get it printed anywhere now with like d to g stuff like yeah get it fulfilled and everything but the whole thing that's nuts for everyone is actually getting manufacturers and then actually getting it in shelves or getting like accounts i don't think that's that hard now really? least, to be honest because i've already had accounts with uh i had a i want to say a 20 store deal with shoe city and then i had like a 16 store deal with downtown locker room it's gotta be pretty sweet it's kind of cool like the the price break is a little different and it's not like a 50 50 keystone deal they get a little bit more of the profit than you would probably want to give them and it's like on a 30-day type you know payment system so it's like uh, it's cool but at the same time um i had to pull out of those stores because to engage those kind of like purchases and buys got to put up so much money mm. and to be honest the breakdown and you getting it back? Yeah, you're gonna get it back, but it's really like I'm working really hard for not what I think I should get. And then on top of that, going into those retailers, I don't think I think every DMV brand should think unless you've accelerated to another level already, you should always keep door open for downtown locker room in Shoe City because they're the local chains. Yeah, you know they put you in like yeah, the they'll, circulation they'll of the local you, hype, like, and they'll at least give you like. If you're pretty decent, you have hype behind your brand. They'll don't give. They'll listen to you. Oh. They'll invite you. They'll, they'll if you re- reach out to them, your brand's good. Like I've went to meetings there, and they have no problem dealing with me. But I tell everybody, unless the reason I pulled out of those deals or I didn't pursue them again was just because I got my own store. And at that point, it was just like, okay, I could move a ton of product, but have a, have more of a margin and not. And I have to deal with all that shit. Also, like when I went into Shoe City and downtown locker room, like a lot of people were not happy. Like a lot of people in the customer base, they were kind of like, oh, you were just in Ubic and you, you, you did this stuff with Ubic and you did this. And 
Yeah, it's true. But like, I was like, where else am I going to make some money? <laughs> what do you mean? Why weren't they happy that you were in other stores? I mean, like I started out at a higher level, but like, uh, I don't think people, the DMV consumer is like aware of like how the clothing industry works. It's just like, they're thinking like, oh, maybe you should get into like concepts and like go to New York. And how like exactly does it work? I feel like I'm well, like maybe in that crowd. The way the Ubik thing worked out was I met a, uh, a gentleman by the name Paul Lee. He was creative director of Ubik at the time. He had followed me on Instagram for some while. And then we met one day. Um, it was right before Ubik had opened in Washington, D.C. Mm. So um, we met up and we talked for a while. Um, he was really nice. He just was like, he really wanted to help me. And he said, Doyle, I'm going to let you have the first pop-up at Ubik, D.C. Damn. Out of everybody in the entire Washington, D.C. area. I was like. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and just and just for context for anyone listening, Ubik is in perhaps one of the best parts of DC yeah, in Georgetown, which where they have like all the top bougie places. Everyone goes there, so there's a lot of visibility because they're right there on the street. Mm-hmm. And then also they sell like the the newest, latest shoes, yep. the latest brands, all the cool fashion mags. Definitely. Like they're kind of like that store. Mm-hmm. So when they first opened up, Paul gave me the opportunity to go there. A lot of people try to make it seem like we were friends. But I mean, I think me and Paul are friends, but I, they try to make it seem like we've known each other for like a long time, but I had never met him until like a month <laughs> or not in person or never even spoke to him really until like a month before that, that pop up. And he gave me the opportunity to do it. We, I mean, to be honest, I think still like uh, if you don't count like Air Max Day or something like that, I probably have one of the best pop ups to ever happen to you. Big. Damn. It's just as full as Air Max Day. But it was Air Max Day was insane. I went to that. I just think it'd be like some walk-in thing. Oh no, I was completely no, wrong. I, I was down time. the block. I went last year and they gave me a panic attack and I had to like get. It was like it got so hot. Like not only was it. Do like you 10 do you of, hate being in like social like like a lot of people in social settings? Kind of. I yeah. kind of do. Like if especially like if it feels like people are getting like standing on top of each other or whatever and it's really hot, I just can't deal. Well, with it's it. got to be like that for you because everyone wants a little little piece of like clout photo with kind you, of, right? Not really. Not really. I mean, to be honest, I don't, I always, maybe it's the way I move around, mm-hmm. but people always tell me that I feel like, they feel like I'm not approachable. And maybe it's because like I might wear like a, a stoic face or something like you that. You do have a very stoic, natural resting face. But, <laughs> but, 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 you have to me the moment you talk to me, I'm like, hey, what's yeah, up? You, you're, you're the <laughs> nicest dude ever. Like, you, you have the, like, the best laugh I think I've ever heard of oh, anyone in my life. The best of the worst. <laughs> so it's just like, ah, you know, um, at the end of the day, though, I just was like wondering, like, what, why people feel that way. But I, I get it. You know, I'm not really, people don't know I got like social anxiety. Like, mm. I'm not. I know how to act around people because I worked retail for 10 years. I grew up in a household where, like, my parents went to work all the time, and I, like, me and my brother, like, we raised ourselves. <laughs> so my social skills wasn't really good till I was, like, an adult. <laughs> oh, wow. So if I'm, like, out in a place, if I don't really feel comfortable, normally I just don't talk. And you, you grew up in D.C., you said? Yeah, I grew up in Maryland. So I'm from Silver Spring. Okay. Um, when I was about 16, I get a job in D.C. Department of Parks and Recreation. So I go to... DC around that time to teach Taekwondo. That's my specialty, like uh, to work as Taekwondo camp at Banneker down on Georgia Avenue. So it's 1998. That's my first job. Um, that parlays into six years at the DC Department of Parks and Recreation. Whoa. Teaching yeah. Taekwondo? Yeah, for the most part. That was my specialty. So I was in the Did hood. you ever compete? Yeah. So I, I, I was pretty okay, I want to say. Like I fought um, 
as a kid, and then I started fighting adult when I was 14. I competed in the uh, United States National uh, Collegiate Tournament when I was Damn. 14. They gave me, like, a fake ID. Damn. And they, like, I lost, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that one. Were, were you, like, a grown-ass-looking kid at 14, no, or were you I, just, like— I think I was—I uh, think I had experienced my first growth spurt, and I was, like, just this, like, a uh, gangly— I was only, like, five foot seven, but, like, my weight— class i only weighed like 110 pounds so that made me like way taller than everybody that was in that weight class oh see so like longer legs yeah. than everyone and you know i, I really never never really I, I trained with adults all my life so it wasn't like fighting an adult would be like something new it just be i, I never was scared of you if it was my size like i was like oh it's cool you're my size like the, the power <laughs> differential from like yeah. a kid to an adult is probably insane but if you're training with them it's exactly like, and i mean i never no, nah, not during those times. Did you ever, did you like kick any adults unconscious? That yeah. happened? I've really? a few people out doing Taekwondo. Damn. Like it was, it's, it's pretty great to be honest with you. When you take, when you knock somebody out, it really feels like you took their soul. Like I don't know if you played. <laughs> I've actually never knocked someone if, out before. If you played Mortal Kombat and then you did use Shang Tsung and at the end he takes your soul, that's how it feels when you knock somebody out. I mean, that's gotta out. be a feeling to like kick someone in the head and see them on the floor like lifeless. Like that's gotta be a, a, like a powerful, but also like. It's, a, it's an insane feeling that not many people have experienced. Like, I, I guess. I mean, if you do combat sports, like that <clears> kind <throat> of stuff, I, I think everybody should do combat sports, to be honest. Why? I think it just makes you really understand real life. Real life is very similar to combat sports. Like, in combat sports, if you don't stop somebody from hitting you in their face, they're going to hit you in the face. It sounds like a business metaphor. Like, yeah, definitely. Like, in, in real life, nobody's out here playing, like, nice like it, it i mean few people are and you don't really expect nice when you're out here you just hope, hope to get honorable after you figure out that nobody's playing nice but martial arts teach you like you keep your guard up all the time <laughs> don't yeah. let like this crap happen to you so it's just like that and then it teaches you about like how life's not fair like you but could train as hard as you like and there'll be some kid that was me back in the kid that's why i don't do taekwondo as a grown up now because I beat up a lot of grown-ups, and I think there's going to be some kids that's going to knock me out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's like you can be as good as you want, but there could be someone who's just way yeah, gifted exactly, and has yeah. way longer legs than you. Like, just freaking... Or whatever it is, like somebody's going to be better than you. But it kind of gets you to understand that early. Or most kids that play sports learn that really fast. Mm -hmm. They don't really have that kind of like pent-up thing where they're like, oh, the world is against me. <laughs> it teaches like, you like humility. Like, yeah. like you're not you're, – you're, you can be so good, but at, at some point there's always gonna be someone who's like at least talented baseline better yeah. than you. And you, you can only like work hard at it. Or sometimes, you know, though, but what you realize though, like life's like, sometimes it goes like this, like the talented guy, he decides he doesn't want to work that hard. And then you just, you know, so I think it's just like, I wish people would stop thinking like so hopelessly. Like really? if you would just think more like, I always tell kids all the time, like, you should try that. They'd be like, what if they say no? I'd be like, well, they're not going to say no forever. You, as long as you don't fuck up that bad, like, you could go back and you could just come back. Or you should always ask, how can I get you to say yes? That's when people tell oh, that's me no. that's a good one. How can I get you to really, say yes? Because I, I feel like if we're in a good position and we're doing a negotiation, you're very considering it. And then, unless it's just like immediate no, then it's like, ah. Oh. But if you're like, ah, I don't thought about it. And I'm like, what do you think's wrong? Like, how can I get you to feel different about it if it's possible? And if they tell me what it is, I mean, I should be able to come back next time and be able to get a yes. But I don't think people think that way. They just get a no. Especially like, you know, we were talking about earlier, like how everybody sees a creative out there and they're like, oh, he's living the life. 
We get no's all the time. Yeah, man. You try to throw somebody alley-oop, and then they, like, think that you're trying to take advantage of them. And you're like, what? Like, and it doesn't want to, I don't want to sound like, like I'm trying to, like, cut down on anybody, but, like, I got, I have something, like, I, I have this to offer you, and I'm trying to offer to you as, like, a nice guy gift. And you're, like, you're trying. You mean, like, for example, like, how you do events out of your store? Yeah. I've had people turn me down, and I'll never really take it personally. Like they, like they thought it was too nice or something? I don't like, know. They thought it was, uh, it's probably not politically aligned. Sometimes people feel as though, like, you know, I'm trying to little bro them. And it's never that. Like, I always want to. such like, a pride thing when people feel like you're trying to little bro me. Like, like, don't they realize that you're giving them a platform? Hey, I remember when I first did Enemies, right? And I did Ubic, uh, Ubic Philadelphia, and I did the, another pop-up with another brand out in Virginia at the block. And then we went to do Ubic, uh. No, D.C., then we did that, and then we did Ubic Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, where do we go from here? And where do I go in my own hometown That's to a great question. funds to sell my clothes in person? And to be honest, if there was any retail store, a decent one, like a real one, like, and I no knock to anyone else, but if you have, like, wholesale accounts and things like that, it makes it look way better when I come into your spot. I would have jumped at the opportunity, so I went to back a house in Pentagon City and started doing stuff there. But, like, if... Anyone would ask me to be like, hey, would you come to my store and do a pop-up? I would just go out there and check it out. And if you have traffic, then we come. That's how it used to be. But it's like a lot of these guys, well, I mean, a lot of these guys throw two pop-ups a year. And they're more concerned about, like, the local rapper wearing their clothes. Mm, that does seem to be the like, trend where it's like we're just going to pop up and not really have much of a spot or something. Yeah, that and, like... I mean, it's cool when you say it's a hobby. You know, like, just go ahead and say it. It's your hobby. And that's that's fair. And I don't think I'm dissing anybody by saying that. But, like, if you only do it two times a year. That's a hobby. That's a hobby, bro. You can think about it all you like. You post on Instagram all you like. But it's a hobby. Is it, is it, is it not necessarily because it's a pop-up or just be, it's like the amount of effort that goes into it's it? It's just like you can't tell people that you design clothes if you don't design clothes to, but two times a year. You should tell them what you do for 40 hours a day and say, that's what I do, but I do like to design clothes on the side. I think that's, there's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why everybody's like so shamed about their like nine to five now. Most of these guys that's are so like true. IT professionals. Like you make eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 a year. And I'm wondering why like you're buying a hundred drinks at the club. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I just thought you were like a photographer or something. They're like, nah, do they don't pay me to do this stuff. <laughs> I make plenty of money at my regular job. I'm like, oh, and to be honest, it's like the town is f- so full of really talented people who got normal careers. That is the biggest fact I've ever heard. That that, that essentially sums up like DC's creative field for a lot of people. I think it's also like it kind of works back and forth because it's like, say you're you're, you're an IT professional, you do cybersecurity. That's what your full-time job is. Sounds soul draining. Right? And then on the weekends, you take photos or whatever, but you're dope as fuck. Yeah. But you out here, and you're charging everybody free or the homie price. Kind of like messes up the water for the other photographers. And that's just... Bro, I'm, that, gla- I'm, just I'm a, glad you get that's that. A, that's a, that's I'm just, glad you get that. I don't have no personal problem with anybody, but it's just like, it's like you got to understand what you're doing when you do it that way. Especially when your quality's good. When your quality's good, you should be able to at least command some kind of money. In, in, in a way like that, it's like there's tons of people in DC, and I guess specifically speaking about photography, it's they 
they they actually are semi decent at taking photos yeah. and they're willing to shoot with anyone in these brands for freaking nothing because they don't care. They just want the opportunity, the exposure, the at or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then someone like me comes along and they're like, and they go, you want how much? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, bitch. Like I, I got to pay bills this month. Like exactly. this is some real stuff. And do you, you, you experience that too? Yeah. I mean, everybody experiences it. Everybody tries to like not try to pay you for stuff. It's like a DC thing. It's like the finesse thing. Like finesse to me is like, I used to think, the term finesse, I used to always like relate it to my friends who are a little bit older than me who never had a job, but like they got a wife and they never have to work. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's some they finesse. always got money. They got a nice car. They don't sell drugs, but apparently they've been living off their wife and their women all their life. Well, that's that's finessing. But like, like you just purposely trying to not pay somebody. Is just low class. Like, mm. like I'm, I'm. There's a lot of people out here. That's cool. Like, you want to give me exposure? Just tell me that up front or something. Like, everybody beats around the bush about money in this town, and it's just like, okay, I don't want to rape you. You can't afford something. Let me know you can't afford something. I'm not here to be like that. Well, it, with your brand, you guys are like the higher level too of like a price point. Like I was the hoodie's like ninety five bucks. Ninety five. That's, that's nothing to joke at. But nah. you know, it's it was a nice ass hoodie. Oh yeah, we trying to. Uh, what we figured out is if I make them at 65 or 75, uh, those blanks that I have to use, they're terrible. When you wash them, they don't wash well. It's really like a very temporary kind of product. And I really don't want to get that to my consumer. Like mm. It really is like a, one thing that DC people or the DMV brands in general, a lot of them put out bad product to their customers sometimes. And they just really... Don't care. They don't but, care about that. It's like a Gildan shirt they're I printing mean, on. If it's you know, there's if you, people are aware about Gildan, there's like multiple levels of Gildan you can buy, and then like, but there's some things that's just like some people are just selling bad products, and then to be honest, it's like the services sometimes are even worse than the products. Like the people that you have to use sometimes to get the products made, it just be weird. Like everybody's like in this town is like when they do something creative, they like create this false pride where they. Th- start judging your brand and what you qualify for. <laughs> like, bro, you're in services. Like, you're supposed to love giving me services. Like, so I could do what I look like. But it's like, oh, everybody's like Judge Dredd. And they're like the, they're like, oh. You seem a little jaded about this area a little bit. Sometimes. Well, actually, a lot of times. But like, I don't want to say, like, I don't ever want to talk about crabs in the bucket. Mm-hmm. That's whack. That's weak, to be honest with you. Yeah. I keep on making clothes. I keep on doing what I have to do. But the only thing is, is just like, I just be so tired about all this make-believe stuff. Mm-hmm. Like everyone feeling like they're the the judge, the jury, the executioner. Their word is the end all. I mean, at the end of the day, like we all got to look around. A lot of people don't get respect because there's no way to gauge who's cool and who's not cool. Followers, bro. Followers. Is, Cool. How many followers you got? That's how you know, to right? To be honest, like everyone who makes clothes in town, I can tell you one thing. They might not like my brand. They might not like me. Or they might like me. They might like my brand. But they have to respect me. Mm. It's not like a... You can't... You could tell me my clothes suck. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but you can always... If you could tell me my clothes suck, you should also know that I release clothes like every week. You do. We do a lot of drops. Like, every week. I'm, I'm making stuff constantly. 
Like we're trying to like really make a brand. And I'm working with other brands to try to make their stuff better, trying to give people a platform to win. And then it's just like. I, th- I think a lot of people do something once or twice, like maybe a pop-up twice a year or something, and they feel all gassed up and they start trying to give everyone advice and opinions and stuff on on, on how they should run their business. Uh, I'll tell you the secret about the pop-up. This is how you do the pop-up. Okay, all right. here's the secret pop-up sauce. All right. You're a, you're a local independent guy. It's your first go-around. You try to get you a venue. After you get you a venue, sort that all out. Then you got to get you at least 25 people to come. Those 25 people should be your closest friends, followed by your family, your cousin, maybe even your mom or dad. Because you want to know something, they're going to come and buy something. These are facts. Right? Once you get those 25 people set, your event's going to be kind of cool because there's going to be people there. It'll look decent. (laughs) It'll look decent. There'll be people buying stuff. Not sitting up and drinking your free alcohol, (laughs) you know, and then you go from there. And then the thing is, you can call on those people twice a year. You can't really call on them every week to come make your pop-up tight. So, yeah, it's fine. So what we got to figure out is what I had to figure out is, like, how I'm going to make constant money all the time. Mm. And it's really doing the drops. Like, You feel like that kind of generates hype around it? or Kind of, but what really generates hype around stuff around here is, like, it's sad. If I tell somebody they can't have it, they want it so bad. Really? But if, like, I just made a Dennis Rodman shirt, and I said, ah, it's just for me. Not for sale. Just went nuts. Everybody like, went no, nuts. I want one. I want so, one. Uh, I made it available. So we sent a rack of them. <laughs> it was like, oh, man. So we make this. I made the Gilbert Arenas one after that. And then it's just like, oh, okay, I'll make it for sale. The hype around is great, but... Selling's not really as great because they don't feel like whatever. It seems like there's, like you always got to build hype for yeah, drops. It's, it's, what is it? But like, I mean, it's like what's the secret for building hype? Is it like, like you said, you can't have it, or only that person or one exists, and then oh, we're gonna drop it for just twenty four hours. Exactly, and then they just pile in line. But it's cool though, because I think what we, I've been doing, or a lot of us have been doing, is we've been complaining about the game. Instead of trying to figure out what works. I think mm. I think I had to be in it long enough, though. How long have you been doing so the enemies, I guess? Enemies were going on year three. Wow. So, to be honest, like, if you look at other brands and brands have been around for a long time, like, I'm doing better than... But I also had... Yeah, you have a lot 10, of experience, 10, 12 man. Like, years of retail. You've been in the game. Being a buyer. I understand, like, a lot of stuff. So, it's like, uh, you know, me, me winning is not really surprising to me. But, like... I still had the same DMV kind of like issues because being like a mid-Atlantic brand, Mm -hmm. mid-Atlantic's not really viewed as like a cool place. Actually, the opinion is changing quickly. About? About the mid-Atlantic, like in Maryland, the DMV in general. So that's that's, that's the mid-Atlantic in buyer terms? That's the mid-Atlantic? Yeah, like Philadelphia, uh, North Carolina. I think it's down to like North Carolina and everything in that middle, middle area of America. So- the only brand to ever come out of the Mid-Atlantic and go national and do really well is Black Label out of Virginia Beach. Really? They had like, they were, they made like hundred, I want to say like 90 or $120 million in like Damn. three years or something Damn. like that. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. how they, they do it? Oh, they just, it caught waves. Like, so they, they had, I want to say it was around like 2005 or six. Um, I want to say Affliction and Ed Hardy is really popular during that time. I remember that. Um, uh, the local, uh, the designer of uh, Black Label was, uh, his name's Salmos. 
he he's local, still around. Um, he he and then uh the the founder Mike Black, Mike Black actually worked for Shoe City now as buyer. He uh they kind of like combined the flavors that were going on with the Ed Hardy Ink Slingers and like uh, Affliction at that time, and they made it for like a more. They wanted to give the African American crowd something that they weren't getting, mm. and they gave it to them. And it just exploded. Like, I mean, it exploded. I've never, to be honest, I've never seen somebody do that like that ever in my entire life. Like they hit the, the pin right on the yeah, head. Yeah, it was with just that. like, it was just, it just came right in the, at the perfect moment. And now, or, to be honest, I really didn't even like the clothes. I've never even worn the clothes to be <laughs> But you can respect the hell But like, of it. I mean, as a, as a business person, there's yeah. no way not to respect that. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's a lot of things we're losing nowadays. Like, so I could tell you this and that, and you'd be like, you're not cool on the internet. And he'd be like, bruh. <laughs> like, like, that doesn't really count in real life. But I think, I don't know about, like, the DMV, I would probably want to say maybe there might be 10 or 12 people that are really making a living on the internet in the DMV. It's hard to do. From my knowledge. There might be some people who do, like, political analysis or something that I'm not. And by on the internet, in, do you mean, like, selling goods or on Instagram? Or, like, Instagram, YouTube. Okay. Um, Bro, I don't, I don't know anyone personally who makes a full-time living from YouTube would, or anything on the I internet. I would imagine that there might be somebody who does some political stuff in, in D.C., but I don't. <laughs> outside of that spectrum, I don't really see a lot of people doing it, you know? So I just wonder about it. Random enough, uh, I looked up today because I finally have monetization on, on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I was curious. I'm like, oh, I, I made 10 bucks in the last 28 days. Cool. Sweet. Thanks, YouTube. Like, all right, you know? But I, but I was curious, like, how much would, do, would I actually have to make to pay rent? You know, like, let's say I wanted to make, like, a 1000 a month. A thousand a month. And so I looked up, this guy had a video. He said, how much do I make with 30,000 subscribers? Uh, he made 6,000 in a year. I was like, whoa, that's like not bad, but not bad. but to get 30,000 is a lot of work. People don't realize that. I mean, I don't really watch Casey Neistat. <laughs> Dude, but, he makes stupid money. But it does, from, from your breakdown, you might make stupid money, but it doesn't sound like he's making that much stupid money from YouTube. YouTube, just YouTube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm hoping that, like, the only thing is, as a culture, I've been real critical of our own culture, too, because I got chip on my shoulder. I wish things would go better sometimes, but they don't. But at the same time, I also see myself as the problem sometimes, too. Really? Like, yeah, or not myself in general, but, like, if I'm feeling a certain kind of way, I need to learn not to express that. Because mm-hmm. of my personal situation or whatever. Business isn't going good. That's nobody's business. To be honest, on Instagram, you'll never really see me say too much on Instagram. For the business page, you'll never see anything other than clothing related or slightly lifestyle related to the Yeah, clothes. you're not really on your story. Yeah. Like being like, yo, what's up? It's doing. I, I kind of wish I could. Mm-hmm. No, I can. The thing is, I think I'm pretty, um, it's going to sound stupid, but I think I'm pretty entertaining. I think the moment I start picking up the phone and start talking into the phone, I think I might be pretty popular. But at the same time, I really don't want that attention. I want the attention that you think my clothes are tight. I, for now, <laughs> later I might pick up the phone, but for now, like I put all this energy into wanting people to like my clothes and buy my clothes and wanting people to see how hard I'm working. And I want it that way. I want, I don't want, I want the guy who wears the original Supreme to look at my clothes and said, that guy did it the right way. Mm. And to be honest, a lot of the, the OG, like, streetwear people from the area, they hit me up. 
and they always they always congratulate me and they always oh, let me know like we appreciate that you're doing it the right way and i have no clue what that means yeah I but don't like know what that means. i'm not out here trying to make like uh, i'm not doing using politics or like pop culture to try to might steal some pop culture like references or something but i'm not going to use that to make money but that's natural it's actually to be influenced by oh, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely but like i really would like for people to like appreciate what i do and it just be that maybe after that maybe i might pick up the phone and start i have this secret that i'm going to be a comedian after the whole i make this success dude i could totally me. see that i could totally <laughs> see that get on stage and when i suck i'll be like i'm rich i don't care <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's there's, so, there's something to be said about like the guy who looks really freaking cool online or on the internet ain't making that much money but maybe someone who has a super successful brand but you just don't really know who they I are mean, behind the be shadows honest, i mean it's it's the same way like I, to be honest there's not a lot of money in making clothes in the dmv everybody always wants to make it seem like oh like just i want to say if we're going to talk about local brands hyper local we're going to talk about eat is probably number one Eats probably gonna be number one, even if we include Diet Starts Monday. I, I would like to say that probably, like just doing the math in my head, like I would probably think Eat probably outsells them. But it's them one one A one B sales wise, and it'd probably be me, and then me or me entrepreneur. Um, and this is talking about like strictly sales wise, and then after that it's just like a whole bunch of people. But we're like. I barely probably make enough money to live my life and not have to have another job. But, you know, I think uh, Malik, he definitely is living a pretty decent life. But there's, but there's beauty in that. Like, oh, it's like, definitely. Like, 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 I, I'm, I'm in the exact same spot where I'm, I'm making just enough to live and j to not buy dumb shit. But, but to like... I like dumb shit. Well, <laughs> I like buy dumb shit. But like, you, can, you know you can't be buying tons of dumb shit. But like, you, you, you make enough and... To be honest, though... One thing that's really been lost over the past 10 years is, like, the beauty and the struggle. Mm. Like, a lot of... It's like nobody, like, sees the beauty and the struggle. They just want to see the end product constantly. Struggle's good. Struggle... You need struggle. I mean, apparently, when you make the money, all you ever think about was the time when you were struggling to make it all happen. Apparently. Can that's you, what can everyone... You, can you say you're there? No. No, we're still struggling. Like, to be honest with you, I only have one goal. And that is to take care of my folks when they can't take care of themselves. Like everybody always like, this is way past everything. Like I'm getting older. My parents are older. There's going to be a day when they can't work, where they can't take care of themselves. Yeah. Well, like whatever the you know, my universal God says, hopefully he'll grant me enough money and, and free will to take care of my folks, you know? And that's what it's really about. It's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, like, I I don't care about all this other shit. Like, everybody tries to make it personal and make it about, like, some cool guy stuff. But at the end of the day, it really is, like, people got to get their bills paid. People got to live. You're not you're not doing enemies just to, just to be cool? No, for what? I mean, I'm already cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes people sick. Like, I, everywhere I go, I, I know I'm cool. And I, people, sh people should know when they're cool. Everywhere I go, I don't want to say like a dick. Most people know who I am. I don't want to be like, oh, I'm so great because I, nah, I don't give a fuck. 
you know me because I just been around. I'm old as shit too. It, it seems like you're very conscious of like your social positioning of like your brand and yeah, like yourself in the room definitely. and everything. Like, I, I don't think it's braggadocious anyway, but it, I think it's always going to be conscious of your position in, in society and like, let alone in like the DMV area, you know? Yeah, you definitely have to because it's not like you're ranking yourself, but like I've met a lot, a lot of celebrities from the area. And one thing I had to f- start realizing for myself was like, when you meet this celebrity, you cannot be a fan. You can be a fan. Can't be a fan. You can, you, you, you can respect, you could even admire what that person does for their talent. But on a human level, we are human. Like I've met an, probably the most, one of the most popular rappers in the area. They invited me to the studio. Wale? And, not Wale, but yeah, it's probably never going to be Wale. But, <laughs> but, but uh, it, we, we sat there and I remember talking to him and it was kind of different. Like, you, you know, once you change your tone to these people, not to say that they're bad people, but they kind of want you to be a fan a little bit, but you want you to understand you respect them. And then you say, Oh, I'm going to be me. And I think I've gotten good reception with that with celebrities. Mm, like, like I'm not them like a, like, yeah, like you're a just a regular person. person. Yeah. Like, and if I'm, to be honest, if you're just really feeling yourself, I'm not even going to talk to you. It's like, for what? So you can carry me. I mean, oh, like you're not gonna yeah. big time me because I'm like whatever it's cool. I got pride. Like it's like, and it maybe that pride is good or bad. I'm not sure. I think pride is better than being nervous about yourself, or being unsure about yourself. Like I think too much confidence is probably better than too much hesitation. Or or I think or, it goes back and forth. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I think I think it's good to be overconfident as opposed to being self conscious. Definitely, definitely. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Because to be honest, this whole area is full of people who are self-conscious that you don't know how many basement rappers, uh, basement artists, uh, basement photographers, basement whatever, out here doing work in their basement. Might even be halfway decent work or work they could sell for money. Yeah. But they just don't have the confidence to show anyone. And it's sad. It's straight up sad. Because to be honest, that at least the people harboring resent towards people who are winning. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my artist, just, and the art might just, but your bitch ass is in the fucking basement. Like, Dude, get out the basement, bro. I, I think that's a big problem is people get too scared to release something or people get um, held up because it's not perfect and I stuff like that. I wish there was like a PSA when you start doing your own thing. Was PSA just said, people are going to tell you you suck. Get over it. That's a fact. I remember at a time, like, I was getting trolled by people online, on Instagram. Come to find out, these are people that, like, I might kind of know, apparently. When you first started the enemies? No, no, not even that. Like, when we started really getting a lot of success, like, I got the accounts and stuff like that. It's just like, you know, with a little research, you find out these trolls are people you might know and stuff (laughs) like that. It's kind of sad, but, like, it's cool. Like, nobody goes around and trolls a, a sorry brand. That's true. To, to even have haters is a nice thing. They told me one day I was walking down H Street and they were like, somebody locked up a kid the other day stealing your, your hoodie out of Shoe City. To be honest, I worked retail for a long time. And the shoplifters never steal the booty shit. They only steal the good stuff. Hey, so that's a comp- <laughs> hey, hey, cheers to that. Hey, that's a compliment right there. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh. You're not going to waste your time stealing like, yeah. some, some dumb shit. I was like, shit. oh, man. I was like, everybody got that kid's number. Like, you know, send it to me. I'll give him free stuff. You ain't got to steal. Like, 
I think because I grew up in like a different kind of atmosphere in DC, like I came up through the recreation department and hung out on 14th street. Like the guy who owns a, the museum, Muhammad Hill, he's like, me and him are like, we grew up, like, we're trying. It's wild to see. Oh, you're all really, you're really, friends. you're really deep in it. Like, like, yeah. where you're seeing all your friends that you grew up with making we're all, impact yeah, in the city. We're all like, it's wild. Like, it's, it's just like, it's like we grew up. It's like you, you were in high school and everybody was cool in high school and now you're an adult and like, everybody's still cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh man, you made it too. I, a lot of people didn't think I was going to make it though. But that was that time where I was a felon and a, I was a maintenance man, and a lot of people didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> oh, you were a but, felon once? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long time ago. Back in, like, 2007, I got in trouble. Right? For doing what? Uh, selling drugs. Oh, okay. You know, got, got she didn't hurt. At least she didn't hurt oh, anyone. No, not really. You know, so it got caught selling drugs, you know, did some time, came home. How much time did that give you? Uh, I got three years, ended up oh. doing, like, a, I got federal charge. So I got <sighs> a drug program, which gives you a one year off, six months halfway house. So I ended up doing like a year and some change, came home. Um, one thing I realized during that year was just like, this life's not for me, like, you know? And to be honest with you, the most miserable time was like, after I came home, I got a job back with Up Against the Wall. They went out of business in 2010. Then I went and got another job. It was a little shitty job. But while I was trying to get other jobs to do retail, I got to experience what everyone was talking about, like how you can't get a job when you're a felon. Oh, shoot. That shit was terrible. How, like, how went, bad is it? They just I went on 15 job interviews, and I got me to the level where they ran the background because I lied on the background every time and told them that I never committed a, a felony because – Nine times out of ten, you just write you commit a felony, they just wipe you from the list. I always thought that so too. So my I was just rolling the dice saying if you're not gonna run the background, see, we ain't see gonna if you're know, really gonna you do know? it. Yeah. So five times we got to the point where they were gonna do the background, they come back and they're like, Oh, we're sorry, you can't get you know, we, we something's wrong. You know, they can't tell you we're not gonna hire you because you're a felon because that's illegal. But like they just wouldn't hire me. And then I had to go like work as a uh yeah, what kind of job do you get at that point? Like, oh, what do well, you do? I got, I got to be a maintenance man. Like a straight, like my friend Jean, she's like my sister. She got me a job as a maintenance man. And I was working in Potomac at one of the, like in Falls and River Road, at one of those bougie strip malls <laughs> with the worst people in America. No offense to the people in Potomac. I'm people sorry. in strip malls. <laughs> Just people in strip malls. Yeah. But it was like, it was, it was a hard, like, but to be honest with you, that job paid me more than any other job I ever had, like regular job. I was making Damn. $28 an hour plus overtime. Damn. If I had to use overtime, like say like the pipe broke in the middle of the night, they would pay me for four hours just to travel back and forth, not including the time that I was there. And I was like at time and a half. So at 28 times time and a half, like I'm not, I wasn't like rich, but. How are you? How are you feeling at that point? Like, like I, 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 I can imagine. Like, to you, be you honest, must feel like, pretty, uh, pretty terrible, yeah, pretty dude. shitty. Because I'm gonna be honest, I was feeling jealous, straight up jealous of what? I'm seeing all of my friends ascend. Like during that time, like how, twenty. How old were you at this I'm, point? I'm in my early. I'm 37 now, so I want to say it's like 2009, 10, 11, 12. I want to say, so 11, 12, 13, so it was like, uh, what was it, 19? So it's like six years ago, or 31. And like everyone is experiencing their boom. I'm watching it as I'm mowing the lawn, looking at it on Instagram, 
at my motherfucking maintenance oh, job, dude. To be honest, it was like it was sad. Like I, I remember like seeing my friend doing really, really well, and no, no, no knock on my friend. Like he ain't do nothing for me to feel this way, but like it was something I grew up with. We have similar talent. Like everything's kind of the same, but he's out there doing his thing, and I'm fucking here pushing this lawnmower. <laughs> but it, to be honest, um. I had to hit that really rock bottom. Like I, I'm like with the maintenance job, like my, 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 uh, that and, and a 16 hour LSD trip really like evaporated my ego. Really? And once like my ego got evaporated, I was able to figure it all out. I think, I think drugs can be used like that. Oh, yeah, I, I think it's hundred percent important, dude. Oh, I, I hate to talk about it like all the time with people, but like I, I took uh, I took acid one time and it lasted for about eighteen hours, and my life never been the same. Dude, that's insane. So what? I, what about I, it? Oh, like, it, uh, it was a kind of an intense trip. I don't want to say it was all great. It wasn't like sunshine and like sunshine and rainbows, but um, something happened along the way where I was uh, able to like release a lot of guilt that I had in my life. That's good. And from releasing the guilt. I realized, like, you're your worst enemy. Like, every time you came with a good idea, you were the first person to say, it won't work because of this. It won't work because of that. And the moment after that, like, okay, not the moment, because there was a week after where I thought I had left this world and this realm. <laughs> Maybe I was in the Matrix. Your ass was still tripping. <laughs> so, but like a week after, I realized, like, uh, I can't, unless it was like, let's jump off the side of this building. I'd be like, well, we're not going to do that. But like business-wise or anything logically that I could do, I just felt like I could do it. It wasn't like I just couldn't, it, nothing was impossible anymore. Like you realized that you were shooting down all your ideas before you even gave them exactly. a chance. And then it was like, oh, what am I? What, what? And then I started to realize like, it's not about the idea. It's not about what you're doing. It's about how you're executing everything. Mm. And then I was like, man, we could we could do anything if we just execute it properly. And then from there, I think I was already doing the enemies brand kind of. But from there it kind of like took off. And then like Paul from Ubic, funny story is he ends up following me, I want to say for a while before we ever meet. The while's a maintenance man, to be honest. I made like a custom pair of Reebok pumps your custom website and I know who he is already because I'm you know we've been in the industry unfortunately I've been regulated to maintenance and everybody else is like whatever I I know who everybody is everywhere so but he just follows me out of everywhere out of nowhere like I post a shoe it's a Reebok pump it's not really that popular online but he follows me and I'm like why is the creative director at Ubic following me mm. and then three years later Three years later, we're like, like meeting. We were supposed to meet one time in Miami for at the Agenda show. I saw him from like fifty feet away. I think he was cursing at one of his employees. So I was like, I don't think this is a good time. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably not. It's interesting how something as small as a follow on on a creative thing you put out there is is a sense of validation in a weird way. The wildest thing is when the first meeting we have, he's been the. At that time, I want to say he's been the creative director of Ubic maybe like three or four years. He told me something that's really true. He said, no matter how big or small your brand is, it's like, Dole, 
I'm the creative director of Ubik. Ubik is probably easily one of the top 10 boutique sneaker boutiques in the United States. Worldwide, no. Like, if when you come to Philadelphia or D.C., you go to Ubik. Yeah. That's what you do. He said, if I know about your brand, he says, my job to know about what's going on in the world. If I know about your brand, more than likely, everyone knows about your brand. They just don't want to give you that kind of boost or be like, oh, we know because mm. that would get you money and you wouldn't need me. And once he told me that, I was just like, oh, that's, that's how it works. And it was just like, oh, I mean, a lot of those people know who I am because of the time I spent as a buyer, like time I was doing a lot of different kind of stuff from just in retail in general. I mean, it helps. Like a lot of these guys, they just want to make clothes and just think like the design processes. To be honest, selling the clothes isn't in designing the clothes. It's in marketing the clothes. It's 100%. I, I don't okay. think I've ever seen someone buy, buy a piece of clothing and be like, oh, the design. Oh, just hemline is just oh. exquisite. The, 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 the way they sewed that, 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 yeah, that tea definitely. was just, oh, guys, you got to get this. Unbelievable. It's all um, about the marketing. It's all about it's the hype. It's all about how you present it. I think, to be honest, though, with you, like, I really wish, like, people in our area would start to value themselves a little bit more. Because mm -hmm. it's like a lot of times we see somebody like you, and then because we can touch you, we can see you, we kind of feel like you're not that great. And I think once we get out of that, I think the, the, the district or, just, or this DMV area, like it's, it's, we're going to have our moment soon. I'm sure of it. Really? I, I'm sure. Like, you think it's I don't know, if you know how much you follow rap music, but Houston had a moment like 10 years ago with Mike Jones and Slim Thug and Paul Wall and Lean and chopped and screw music, and it went nationwide. I kind of feel like DC in the next one or two years is going to have that kind of movement. And our culture is just going to spread yeah. across everywhere? And I think it's going to have to coincide with a lot of things. Like, it's going to even coincide with, for maybe a brief moment, the world will become aware of DC, and then it will become like, well, they're kind of aware right now, but not really. Like, our biggest star is Wale. True. It's the truth. Like, he's our biggest star. Um... Then probably followed by Shy Glizzy. Um, once, like, I, I think as a collective, we could pre present to the nation something great. I think if we just keep on trying to come as, like, an individual person, individual person, individual person, it's never going to work. What do you mean individual person? Like, for some reason, the people in, the, in our area, they want to make it. They haven't figured out, like, you need a team to make it. You need to, like, make a movement to make it instead of just trying to rise up out the ground and be that shooting star. And once that star fizzles out and dies, then it's whatever. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you make a team and you're building a movement, like, that just keeps on going forever and ever and ever. And so I think that's more of the things we want to do. And also I think, like, a town like ours is, like, we're a town that, like, has money. Cause, One of the richest yeah. areas in the world. But the craziest thing is we don't want to pay anybody for anything. You don't want to pay for services. It's actually, to be honest, it's the DC way. We're, I don't want to say cheap people, but we're frugal people. Very frugal. But, you know, as a, as a minority that understands, like, the immigrant, like, how it went with the business ownership and entrepreneurship, Jewish people taught us, like, the first people that were in the black neighborhoods with the stores were Jewish people. They sold to Asian people. Asian people sell 
to Indian people. Now you see Ethiopians buying for Indian people. But that mantra is the Jewish mantra. <laughs> but they have taught us early on, like you get the best price. You don't let nobody take advantage of you. It's a DC thing, but it comes from Jewish people. And it's like, it's a good thing, to be honest. Like, that's why we're really shrewd in business. Like, DC people do not want you. Like, we actually want to take advantage of you. <laughs> it's it's you're, wild. You're, hurt, you're hurting my feelings. No, I mean, I'm DC native. I'm like, you know, DMV native. But I'm, that's just how we are. I think there's a few things that we should probably change about our culture to really get it forward. But to be honest, it's, it's something we should be aware of. Like, when I get into a negotiation with somebody, do something we want to do, I am already aware that I'm going to make it attractive to you to the point where you're not going to be able to say no. Mm -hmm. And whether it's monetarily or like visually or whatever it is, but I'm going to give you some product that you want. And then it's like, usually it's monetary. I'll, like, oh, I'll, take a, I'll, I'll give you more points on the deal or whatever. And people will take it. But at the end of the day, everybody wants a deal in this town. And I think to do business in this town you don't have to give everybody a deal, but you got to make them feel like they're getting a deal. Because mm. what I've noticed about things in this town, like if they really like you, they're willing for you to call your price. It's a fact. But if they don't like if you. If you're in with people yeah. in this town, they love you. Exactly. And they will pay your rate. They don't care how much it costs because yeah. you got that sauce. Exactly. You got that thing that they don't have. Exactly. But I'm, I'm really interested when you say how you you kind of feel like something's swelling out of this area. Like you really, that's... Look at our musicians. That's a feeling that I feel like a, a lot of people do kind of share. Like, yeah, it's look at our musicians. Look at our, like, I don't want to say my brand. Let's talk, let's talk about, like, Malik. Like, he's out there. He's in Minnesota. He's in DTL. He's in, he's in DTLR in Minnesota, in, a, in the Mall of America. <laughs> Where does it get more American than that, you know? That... You got Shy Glizzy, you got Bo Young Prince. That's who I was thinking of Bo Young Prince. Yeah, I, got, I just heard him got, speak. Uh, yeah, he's just in Spider Man. Man's name. Um, I don't know what. Well, there's a lot of DMV artists. It's the music scene that's really pushing the scene. But you think it's the music? You think I think it's, it's the music. You think it's the music think, that that pushes everyone else I always, forward? I always feel that's what always happens. It's not the clothing or the, so the music. dope photographer's See, name Bruce Allen? Back in the day when a regional artist would come up, he would be wearing the regional clothes. Give you the entire regional. Pack. These are my people's clothes. Yeah, exactly. I'm wearing it. So like. around like 2000, like I used to wear Rockwear. Rockwear is garbage. I no disrespect. If Jay Z, if you watch this, I'm sorry. I love you. But Rockwear was no good. But they marketed the shit out of it as New York rap, New York or Philadelphia. The New York you know, brand. Like it, it was. We wanted it. Yeah. But we, when you sell me the music. I got to give you things all behind it. And it's the clothing, it's the lifestyle, it's all those things that come with it. But without the music, I, I, it's really hard for it to happen. Unless you get like a cosign. It seems like music really has that, that platform. It seems it to have like a bigger platform than all the, the other only, arts. Only to thing that can else. match music or platform-wise in business is food. Uh, well, food is the biggest thing right now in D.C. I've never seen a bigger food scene. I've, I, I've never really seen, oh, I never really like got into like, I'm more of a, hole in the wall kind of food yeah we talked person. about that a little bit you like the, yeah. the mom and pop i like the mom and pop down you don't speak earth. english you might be a little grimy <laughs> i mean but that's where you get some yeah. of the best food the people I, that don't wash their hands every time i'm not you know? really trying to go to a michelin star restaurant all the time i mean maybe twice three times a year is great like you know no big deal but like for everyday eats i would like some more culture 
But I wish everybody felt that way about like their clothes or like some people do. But I think right now also clothing is like. I feel like people have to be told it with clothing, especially in DC. Like people have to be presented it. And they, I feel like not everyone really seeks it out. Not everyone's going to go to their pop-up on the weekends. They'd probably rather go to some brunch thing or they do some, go to a monument walk you know, or something. I'm going to tell you what they want. Please. Brunch crowd. Well, and that's like the nine is, to fivers, you know. Yeah, definitely. And then the brunch crowd, they're definitely just going to want like a. Well, it matters what kind of what, what, which ethnicity we're talking about with brunch. But well, that's white people. White people, I've never been to white brunch. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking avocado to, toast. I've been to Mrs. K's Toll House. Oh, they got that all the brunches. <laughs> <laughs> Bottomless mimosas, oh, fucking have you Tony and Joe's on Sunday morning. Tony and Joe's on Georgetown Waterfront. I have front. no idea what that is. Oh, that's oh, well for forty dollars you can have seafood buffet brunch. Ooh. All you can eat forty bucks. Ooh. For extra ten dollars you can get unlimited mimosas. Oh, so it's worth it. Yeah, to be honest, that's it's definitely that, it's like 50, 50 bucks. Like a just... oyster on the half shell. All you can eat uh, shrimp shell shrimp. All oh you my can God. eat. Um, yeah, this is crazy. But that doesn't sound like one of those bougie Michelin star places. That sounds no, like a real hole in that, the wall. But to place. be honest, when you go there, like you think it's going to be really fancy, but it's really like a lot of like minority people mm. just going there to have a great meal at a great price. Um, if they had a DJ in there, I think it'd be really lit, to be honest. <laughs> but I think there's too many like age groups in there for that to happen. But like food, like recently, like a friend of mine, we uh, I worked a. Fried chicken festival mm-hmm. in Baltimore. People are like, what the fuck are you doing working fresh? I said, my friend called me. He said he needs some help. <laughs> I was like, what do you want me to do? A fried yeah. chicken festival. So it's Holy right there in the shit. power plant in, in the Inner Harbor. That is high cholesterol. So festival. we're sitting there. Jesus. And like, I'm just sitting there. I just had to tell my friend, I hope you don't think I'm about to fry no chicken. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, no, no, no. He's like, you just go do your Doyle thing. I was like, oh, you want me to work? Th- okay, cool. I was like, am I collecting cash? He's like, no, it's tokens. I want to say we moved like 3,500 chicken wings. Oh my one God. at a time. And I realized the power of food. Like, man, there are thousands of people there. It's, it's, it's the, the thing is, is like, I like throwing events. I throw my own events. Dude, I think events are what makes a city cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, well we haven't. Kind of. There's a, a few people out here that kind of really try to encompass it. We haven't found anybody who's really like gonna bring everybody in and throw a shit show. And like, I don't know why that hasn't happened. Like, we bring the best of everyone. You mean like this food stall and enemies is here and eat is here there, and, and this artist is here yeah, and, and then Chris Pirates here and, and like then die starts Monday or whoever we think is like the. Creme and it's like the creme. festival of DC. And it's it, it would be great. But the thing is, it's just like, I couldn't do it because people would feel like I don't qualify or, you know, that the whole little brother thing will happen. But if some corporate person was to come and like nah, but, but, organize but, 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 but it. But no one wants that to happen, you know that? though. But you know, the, the corporate guy slanging out the checks, everybody he likes got that, that cor- the best. He, he got that corporate <laughs> money. He got that corporate money. Exactly. That's what it is, you know? I mean, but DC is just like, I think we're there. We're just there. It's just, we just got to have that confidence to say, we love our own culture. But it seems like food and music are the vehicle for- Definitely, for definitely. Perhaps anywhere, but mostly DC, that, to kind of rise up and, and sort of get that nod to get that One thing that, that really looks, 
sad about with the whole food scene is the whole mumbo sauce debate or like any kind of what thing. is the mumbo sauce like, debate like how is it spelled how is this mumbo mumbo all that stuff i'll let you know everyone who's commenting never wrote a sign at the store <laughs> if you have never asked the asian person how it's spelled and you probably never know how it's really spelled. I will tell you the truth as an Asian person. It is however that Asian lady wanted to write it on the sign. That's how it's spelled. <laughs> That's how it's spelled. There's no like all this and that. And to be honest with you, they're closing down carryouts all over the city. Really? It doesn't fit the mantra of the new DC. Ooh, the new DC, man. That's, that's an interesting subject. It doesn't fit into the saddest thing is like. Where do you, even if you like, say you go into the mom and pop, well, not even, there's no more mom and pop, really. The carryouts are the mom and pops. Everything else, like you go into a newer age carryout in DC. It's like fast casual Tell stuff. me how you're going to get your price under $20 with your drink. Not any alcoholic beverage, but like, tell me how you're going to get it under 20 bucks with not even if you sit down to go. Like you order a drink, you order a side, you order an entree. How are you going to get it under 20 bucks? You can't. It's impossible shit, dude. It's like, expensive to eat. It's, it, they're making the, 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 the only options to be for affordable food is like McDonald's, which isn't very affordable, like not available citywide. Apparently, for some reason, Potbellies is extremely popular in DC. <laughs> I don't know Pot why. Potbellies is everywhere. Every corner. <laughs> I'm like, it is everywhere. Where the fuck Subway go? <laughs> but it's just like they're moving out all the, they're like literally moving out all the carryouts, but like, do you think it's on purpose or do you think oh, it's yeah, because it's the people around they, like, them aren't there to support them anymore? On 14th and U Street, there's a soul cycle. That soul cycle used to be downtown locker room for 20 years. Never made a, a late payment, never anything, but, you know, one it day. It doesn't look as good, I guess, They right? said, we're, gonna, we're not going to approve your loan anymore or your, your lease because we don't want you here anymore. And now there's a soul cycle. It seems like the new DC is very much like soul cycle and bar it is. class it's very, it's and very sweet Manhattan. green it's yeah it's very clean the only thing i i like to just say is which i don't have any problem with because i remember i kind of grew up like on 14th street back in the day and there wasn't a lot of places to eat there's lots of places to eat now <laughs> our friends are still on 14th street <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there was there was a podcast i had listened to you within it where the 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 girl brought up gentrification and the way your answer to it was I thought was the best answer. And I, I told you this before, and it was that you said it's it's not necessarily a race thing, it's a changing culture. Yeah. And and when we're talking about like the new DC, it's it's like I don't even want to say it's a racing. I just want to say it's a changing culture. And and they're I, trying to upgrade what they got. And what happens during an upgrade is the poor people get left out. And it's not a it's not a race thing to be honest. It's never really a race thing. I mean gentrification, if we want to talk about the thing we could talk about the culture shift. I want to say, like, I'm a person that's been in D.C. since 1998, dealing strictly with the African-American community. Culture shift is different from gentrification. Gentrification just means that a corporate entity or larger entity comes into your place and buys up all the opportunity and you can't have opportunity, which has happened. Well, what happened in D.C. is, like, D.C. is a weird town. If you go to Philadelphia, Baltimore... New York City, anywhere, there are a multitude of poor people living in one area, whether they're Spanish, yeah. white, black, Asian. D.C. is different. It was all black people. One, like, uh, towards the end of the 90s, we started to see the influx of Latinos coming to D.C. Mm -hmm. So 
gentrification, I to be honest, my friends, like I said, we're still in in DC, or a lot of them live out and still come back to hang out. But they enjoy the new amenities. They enjoy a lot of stuff, but the people who they're saying are pushing the culture out is not the people who they say are pushing the culture out. What do you mean? There are a lot of people who threw parties for more yuppie style people instead of hood style people. And then it just went on and on and it just pushed the hood culture out to the point where it's like go-go music. If you'd ask, I don't know how old you are, but if you're above 30, even with your white, black, Spanish, whatever you are, you're very familiar with Backyard. <laughs> Even if you don't like go-go music, you're like, oh, my God. Backyard band? Yeah, you're like, ah, oh, that garbage. <laughs> but, like, I love go-go music. But, like, you were aware of it. Nowadays, people are not aware of go-go music. You know why? It's because everyone, it's kind of like what happened with clothing. Like, everybody, if you used to travel country back in the day, everybody dressed different when you went somewhere. Yeah. Now, everybody, if you go somewhere, like, Everybody's kind of dressed it's the all, same. It's flat. Every, yeah. Everyone is on the yeah. same wave and in a way. It kind of happened with the culture. And I don't want to say like somebody did it purposely, but like to bring in that new culture, it wasn't like some corporate entity that came in and said, we're about to wipe out all these poor people. It was like suburban people who came to the city, same color as the people they're pushing out, making the parties, doing whatever they wanted to do. And I don't want to say it was wrong, but at the same time, like, can't say like later on, like, oh, they pushed out all the poor people when you were part of it. And it's just like just part of the deal. Like everything in the DMV, uh, culture wise, like if you're thinking about like outside of crabs, what do you know that is like universally cultural that's not from the ghetto? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Mumbo sauce. <laughs> Like, uh, carry out culture, like DC culture, to be honest, like we, like the suburbanites are well aware of it because they've saw it from the periphery during the yeah, bad driving times. in and driving yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Going and they, 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 they're well aware of it. And when you ask people about DC culture, they're going to tell you about that. They're not going to tell you about like some five-star restaurant or like, I wish the Redskins were better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I wish they changed their name too. I used to not be on that bandwagon. But now that they stink, like, we might as well change the name. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, had we been winning, no one would care about the name. If we were, like, 20 times Super Bowl champion, it'd be like, it is a sign of pride. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, change the name. Maybe they'll reinvigorate everyone. Uh, I mean, when you're a champion, how can you? There's no other better way to invigorate people than winning. I tell you all the time. Like, I, I don't try to talk about politics ever, and I don't want to talk about politics. But it's Same. politics about winning. And that's it's like, a winter you don't sport. Have to talk about anything. It's a winter sport. All the other variables. It's about winning. And if you want to sit around and cry about everything, you're not going to win. That's just like base business. Or, or want sympathy for things. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. But that, that's a really interesting point that you said. It's like what makes a culture like the ghetto or or, or the hood or whatever you said. It's Amen. it's like that's that that's what makes the iconic things. But do you think that as it's as that culture is shifting in DC, it'll have different the problem is is Influence, I don't know how influence is going to go for the next 30 years. For the past 30 years, influence has come from poverty or influence or creativity has come from not having, mm. which that's what most of these things you're seeing coming is like, 
oh, something new happened is because somebody didn't have something and they had to work around it. Well, it's, I think it's like how you build enemies, right? Exactly. Like you didn't want to be a goddamn maintenance man, dude. So you built, you came up with this brand, this idea, and you just tr- started at it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm a little lost right now. Yeah. Brain. What were we talking about? <laughs> I, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm a, we were talking about the culture and, and everything oh. shifting, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, you know, like the starting years of, of you building enemies, like oh, what was the starting years? Oh, so we get started. I make the first one. Um, the first. I'll tell you how the first. I hate to like always tell the story about how enemies like. So, Asef Bari has the brand Vlon. He wrote Friends minus. I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going to write enemies on the shirt. The original OG logo with the heart is not really the first logo. Like, I wrote enemies, like, just like that, just without the minus on the end. And I was like, it sucked. (laughs) (laughs) It really sucked. And I was like, oh, man, this is some really whack shit. But at that time... I like was really about like holding myself responsible for things. Mm-hmm. So if I made some shitty stuff, I told myself I had to wear it. And I told myself, if you want to wear better stuff, or if you want to like wear better stuff, you should start making better stuff. They yeah, shouldn't be designing yeah. clothes and not so wearing I was, like, I was like, I was like, yeah. And then that's another thing that people don't never talk about. I only wear my own clothes. Now Nike does send me free stuff, but. Mm-hmm. Other than that free stuff, I only wear long clothes. That's kind of cool. That's pretty dope. Yeah. I wish I, wish I could wear like my own we, clothes. We went from there, like, um, so I was just like, so I was coming to the end of my other brand, Unexpected. And what happened was, was like, I knew, like, I had to wear with all the things, like streetwear, branding. Because before that, the three. Three or four years were dominated by like fear of God designs, like long length, uh, long long length, uh, like neutral colors, mm. no branding. But Virgil was on the rise, so Where he's putting his brand. He's putting everywhere, everywhere, yeah. everywhere. So he's starting to take like nice silhouettes and put the branding on it. So I'm like, oh, we gotta we gotta make the move now. So I'm thinking that we're gonna do unexpected, or we're gonna do enemies under unexpected, just make it a shirt that says enemies. So. I'm out at Arundel Mills at the Champion Outlet. And they're having this wild sale. Like all these crewnecks of all these colors are like $2. And I'm like, damn. Oh, I'll just buy 50 of them. No problem. <laughs> so I buy like 50 of them, take them home, uh, take a yellow one out. And I have like all these letters and patches from Joanne's Fabric because I used to go to Joanne's Fabric and used to tell myself, if you're a real designer, you can make something out of here and sell it to someone. Okay. Yeah, essentially. Uh, that wasn't happening at first. <laughs> but we went and then I put the letters down, hit it. There's a tonal C right there. So I was like, oh, what am I going to put on top of this? So I was like a drawer. So we put the heart right there. We hit it. I bring it on, the, first, the first bit of emotion I, I feel is like, man, this doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> when you made when, <laughs> like when, you made, when you made that first enemy I looked enemy at it because you know I was like I was like man this doesn't suck like you have no clue I made a lot of sucky stuff because I was like trying to like 
gradually get into the branding, but I really didn't have a lot of stuff. So I was like, oh man. And then we made it and I was like, holy shit. And then I put it on Instagram and like all these people just started hitting me up for it or asking me about it and like all this stuff. And I was like, shit, this is kind of crazy. Dang. So I was like, oh man, cool. And I just started like placing it on people around town that I knew was popular in the nightlife that was new for me and stylish. Um, then we went from there. I think um, I only wanted to say I like did like the brand for like three or four months till Paul approached me at, at, at on Instagram to see Whoa. if I wanted to meet him. That's super fast. I was, so I was just like, oh, I think Paul, to be honest with you, like he, like he 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 really liked the fact that I was Korean. We were both Korean, and like, mm. um, I don't want to make it seem like like there's a lot of Koreans in the industry. To be honest, like they're just not the people that you see in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. But like. It's very rare for somebody like an Asian person to be in front of the camera that's not in Asia and like be a streetwear designer. And like the only other streetwear designers everybody else knows like Nigo or like Hiroshi Fujiwara. If you want to say my name next, I'm fully cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, it just wasn't like what people were thinking about. To be honest, like I think, I don't know what he was thinking when he gave me the opportunity. But Do you think maybe it's kind of a far-fetched thought here, but do you think maybe it has to do with the culture of it because it to me it seems like korean people are in that frame of thinking where being artistic like being a fashion designer doesn't seem like a viable career path you know so so instead of you being a fashion designer your parents everyone's telling you doctor lawyer whatever it is so so maybe that's why it's so rare Uh, maybe i i I think so to be honest my parents i think in the later general to be honest my best friend his sister is from silver spring maryland She's one of the lead designers for Stussy Women's. Nice. The creative director at Undefeated. He's from Silver Spring, Maryland. Like, there's a lot of people in the area that you just, well, if you don't know, you just will never know that they're, like, from the, the DMV. Just was, it, only, it feels like we don't have many leaders, though, in the area. Uh, it's just not cool. If you try to be a leader in the area, I mean, if you see, if you follow All Homage, when you try to be a leader... It's kind of hard for somebody who doesn't have thick skin or who can't survive the, the trash talking. You'll have people say they hate you and you never met them before. Like you, it's weird, right? It's 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 so strange. Like the other day, I had a guy meet me at the store and he told me all about myself, and he was a little weird. Like he told you all about. Yourself. I was like, I was like, oh, I mean, the things I've shared on Instagram. And okay, it's just like, yeah. bro, it's weird. That's that he knows I, all this stuff about yeah, you? I'm, apparently, I'm surprised it doesn't happen to you. Dude, no, dude, no, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> no, it, it's weird. I, I used to be way more active on my stories, like face in front of the camera. And I used to be I don't really, share my location because of it. I used to be very front-facing, and, and people would make references to stuff that I, like I used to call the gym the Temple of Flex, just in my stories. I would never, ever talk about that. People would be like, oh, you're going to go to the Temple of Flex today? Like some random guy, kid I just met. I'm like, I'm like... <laughs> yes i am dude like what the fuck i like they'll bring up my cat or something like that and i'm like or like like oh i saw that photo i'm like what the fuck like but in a way i'm like i'm kind of honored and humbled that someone even gives a shit it's it's like that's cool it's the same time and i was like you're still weird dude (laughs) yeah yeah. well that's a little different maybe the, the, the greatest part is though it's beautiful like you're a photographer and you know you do this podcast so you don't really it's not like owning a brand sometimes. Well, it kind of is, but when you go out in public and see somebody wearing your clothes, Ooh, you have dude, no that fucking feel? clue who that person that's is. That's got to feel really it's good. A, that feels great. Oh. It's like, it's like. You get like a little hard on. You just like, fuck Best yeah. that premature ejaculation. Oh, hell yeah. 
full blown, just like, pants oh. gone. It's just like, oh, that's so great. And it's just like, that's gotta be or dope. when somebody comes up and just like tells you, I, like straight up, like, man, I fuck with what you're doing, and like you, 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 like I respect what you do. Like, man, means the world to people like us. It really does because it's not every day somebody tells you that. It's and not. It's not like every time where like during the creative journey, it's just like so. It's so hard. Like, dude, you, it gets sad and depressing sometimes, dude. And it's lonely. People don't get it. Like, when I tell people that you want to be a, like, if you're a creative and you happen to have a partner throughout your creativity, you're lucky. I don't know, because that partner could be hard to deal with. But, because, you know, if I had a partner, they'd be mad at me all the time because I'd just be doing what I want to do. <laughs> but at the same time, it'd be nice to have support. Mm. I mean, I lean on my mom. She don't really know about the industry. But if I talk to her about anything, she's been in business but at for herself. at the end herself. of the day, it's you at the computer yeah. making these designs, exactly. making these moves, making these connections, making all this stuff happen. And, and if you sit there idle, it doesn't happen. Never. Never. Like, that's one thing I wish people in the DMV would do is just pick up the pace. Like, straight up. 100% you're agree dropping, with that. Like, since you asked me to be on here, you've done two interviews. And that was like two weeks ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Most people are like at this like once a quarter pace. And it's just not really good enough. And people don't realize that. Like, all the people, I always ask people, like, who do you admire on Instagram? Or who do you follow that you like in their, like, people don't realize they brainwash. Like, hypebeast, certain people, if hypebeast posts a picture of this, just, just here, right here, they will like it. They will never look at it and say, what is this? They'll be like, oh, hypebeast. And that's what it is. And I don't, I, yeah. I, have, I don't have no, no resentment towards that. I wish I could get my. They're, they're, like, they're like, like the culture leaders. But, yeah. I actually be talking to Kevin Ma on the low through the DM. Right, come on. You know, yeah, you, I do. You, I know, you, 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 you know, you want to be Kevin, on Hypebeast. Kevin, bro. I do want. I was supposed to get in Hypebeast one time, but it didn't happen. Kevin, if you're out there, I'll be talking to you on DM all the time. Get me, get me in Hypebeast. <laughs> <laughs> Just get that one. But I do. I do come be on. talking to him all the time on. on I mean, why not talk to these people? Especially when I talk back to you. I think that's the biggest thing is even just starting that connection. Talks back to me, like if I say that's insane. Like one thing I I don't want to talk to a famous person about what they're famous for. Mm-mm. So Kevin Ma eats a lot of food in like exotic ass places, and that's the type of shit I like to do. So if he's eating like fugu in Japan, I'm like oh, you send him the puffer fish emoji, <laughs> and you're like oh, you're you're doing the ball, and he's like oh yeah, great, like he'll talk to you, and I'm. I always want to tell people, like, I watch all these kids, like, comment under the people they admire, and it's not like you're trying to engage them. It's like it's always like, yo, so sick, flames, fellatio. That is, it is a little bit like it's a little fellatio. A lot. <laughs> that's like straight up. It, 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 it should engulfing it went, another man. You, you were grabbing those no, testicles, like, yeah, and that's, just just like, cradling them. It's like you, yeah, like. I've never been that way. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, but I would like to, like, people are like, why are you talking to him? Because I want him to respect me as a person. So I want to talk about some shit that he probably wouldn't normally talk about. But, like, if you straight fillet some another man, I'm not going to like you. I'll just be like. But, but then you're also, like, a fan at that yeah. point, too. You, you're no longer an equal. I, it's like. Also, the fan is fine. Yeah. The fan thing is fine as long as you know that. The wildest thing is people be fans. They be mad that you treat them like a fan. Mm. You have that happen where there's like, oh my god, like you just I bought all these clothes and you're like, right, I I I process all the orders, but one shirt. 
Uh, that's another thing that's wild. Like people tell you they support your brand, and you're like, bro, you bought two shirts in the past eight months. It's seventy dollars. I had to at least pay thirty dollars for each one of those shirts. <laughs> like, like. Bro, on, that's bro. that's so be true. Honest. Especially when when friends be asking for discounts. I think I'm like, dude, you should be pay, you should be asking if you could pay more, dude. Like if you're trying to support for me, a homie, my friends, my true friends. For because my parents grew up in uh, you know, I grew up in my parents were entrepreneurs, and the way they always did it was, if they had personal feelings towards someone, like friendship or love towards someone, they would extend every kind, well, not free, but they give them a discount. Yeah, without asking. But if you want more than that, then you ain't getting it. Mm. But I think for us, like, for me as the person who holds the product, I don't mind giving you a discount. You're my real friend. I do mind that you try and get something for free, though, or, like, you're trying to, like... Like, swindle yeah. a little bit. But, like, it's like, if we've been friends for 20 years and I'm charging $45 for my T-shirt, I can give it to you for $35. It's not that big of a deal. You know, like, but if you're mad that I only gave you 10% off or $10 off, like, bro, you cutting deep into the... To, to the fucking price break like <laughs> ten dollars is not like ten dollars is not like some small shit like i can use that ten like so people don't understand like the margins and stuff like if i sold everybody ten dollars off like it would cut deep into your margin you it's wouldn't a have deal. a real business it's a really big deal you know like with photography it might be a little bit different because maybe once you own your camera and your equipment like it's like i shoot i charge i keep all the money you know which is cool too i, I to be honest I wish a lot of more, like, people who created content have more of a tiered kind of system. What do you mean? But I think not really, like, if there's somebody out there, I know a lot of photographers who will work with somebody who's not as popping because they're doing something good, charging less price. And I know some photographers who will do work with terrible people because they can afford it. Bro, I, I live on both sides of that coin, dude. I've, I've, <laughs> I will do work with someone who I really want to work with for free. Just because I want to be in that conversation that I've worked with them, like literally in two weeks, I'm I'm gonna be shooting this designer's uh like whole lookbook, pretty much pro bono, but just but just because I really want to be in that conversation. Mm -hmm. But on the same token, there could be someone whose stuff I just I just don't like. I won't even post about it. But I'm gonna charge them an arm and a leg. You know, it's just like oh, if you're getting hit at the four eight, and then for you, it's like all right, let's just see what happens. I think the business side is business, mm -hmm. like. I'll just be so tired of everybody who's talking about this mystical cool, but really you're just business. Like it, I, I just, you ever seen, uh, Harold and Kumar and they went to like that place to go buy the weed from like the, uh, the hippie, but then he was like, I'm a hippie Jew. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense. It's like being a, a, a communist capitalist, like the Chinese government. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I get it. But that, but it makes so much sense. Like you have to find that balance somewhere, and then for some people, like, well, you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself really hard if even as a creative or anything. Like, I'm sure you would be willing to do a hype beast pop up for absolutely free. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you're gonna hurt yourself by being strictly business all the time. That's true, and then you, you hurt yourself trying to be like cool all the time too. I see a lot of people like not trying to do work with people because, oh, like we're not talking about collaboration. We're talking about I offer services and you need services. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to work with you. And that's like, it's corny. You're like, you do services, dog. Like if I swept floors and you need your floor sweeping, I'm over there. <laughs> like that's what I do. That's what I do for a living. I, I, you know, but 
I guess that's that's where I guess me and a lot of people are different. Like, I'm I don't want to say I'm proud to not be like rich, but like at least it's me for now. Mm. Like I don't want to ever send sell a like a disingenuous image to anyone online, like or period in general. Like I I think some people think that I'm. They say the humble stuff I say is kind of fake. <laughs> <laughs> Not you. I'll be like, no, that's me. You just don't haven't seen this side yet. <laughs> I mean, th- th- there's there's a balance to everything. Definitely. It's like there's there's nothing wrong with ever being like my shit's dope. Uh, no, no, you should. Everyone should say your shit's dope. You just can't have a problem with somebody else thinking that it's not. Mm, yeah, it's like if you don't think your shit's dope, you shouldn't be doing it. But you should also know, like, if you look at something, and you you like. If I design shoes, right? And let's say we did sneakers, right? What's the most popular sneaker right now? Right now it's Jordan 1, right? Okay, I don't know. You know. I make a sneaker. I like the Jordan 1 a lot. But it looks like garbage compared to the Jordan 1. I'm not going to lie to myself (laughs) that it looks good. Like, you got to look at the things you like and say, when you're a rapper, you have to compare your work against... Your favorite rapper. You might not can make what he makes just yet because you don't have the resources. But who do you compare yourself to? I would like to be. I, I really like look up to like uh like Bobby Hundreds. Mm. Not because I don't. To be honest, I don't really like his designs, but I do like what his brand means to California. Like, I wasn't really aware that like. Hundreds, Diamond Supply, because I'm, you know, we're from here. I'm not from California. We just sell them in all the skate SB shops. Yeah, yeah. so you see that, and you see them in Zoomies or whatever. And at one point, those brands were really, really cool before we like really when the skateboard like thing was really at its peak. But like, what we didn't realize on the East Coast is those brands are like madness, and we are one. And like those old local brands that came from way back in the day, but they just lasted the duration. So when you're 15. 16, 17, 18, 19 in California. All you wear is hundreds and and uh and diamond. Yeah. And I'm always wondering, like, how the fuck these guys got stores? Like who's but when the hundreds has the the the, the warehouse sale, there's five hundred people lined up outside to go buy hundreds on sale. So it's like what we really want what I really want to do is just have like a brand that represents the area culturally and is something that we could put up against anyone else. Like you Stylistically, you could put my brand against anyone. I, I'm sure the, the hundreds has had an insane impact. Yes, I mean, def- you want to talk def- from West Coast to East Coast, like definitely. to be. I was like, everything they've done is like, but their their hold at home is unreal. Really, and I, I really wish, like, to be honest, I I feel like Eat Eat has that kind of movement right now. To be honest, I don't know if you know about the brand Madness, no, but I like don't. Madness. So during the '90s. There's a, I want to say like four or five, but there's a whole, this is going to make you wow you, okay? So there's a brands, We Are One, Madness, Shooters, um, who else out there? All Days, and then maybe three or four other brands. During that time, during the late 90s and early 2000s, the local DC brands were bringing in $8 million dollars. You can ask me. Those ones you yes, just listed? Yes. No, 
it might have been six, and the other the, the, the other two might have been spread out. They were pushing that much product. That's how much product they were moving back in the day. Globally so, or just locally? No, locally. Oh shit! So the only person that leaves the DMV is Madness. Madness has a store in LA. Eddie, all these guys, oh, like these guys are, you know, they're they're, they're street guys, but like. These guys are moving eight million bucks in clothes. So what happens is like the, the, a lot of things that happen in DC is uh, associated with crack era. So crack era happens. Everybody's wearing Gucci, blah 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 blah. Gucci, whatever's expensive. Then Eddie Van, founder of Madness, comes up with the idea: I'm gonna make my own clothes. And for a decade, he dominated the scene. I want to say Madness, even to this day. I met Eddie Van in person. Two years ago, because me, him, Malik, we did a pop-up shop together. I never met him ever, but I know who he is. And I remember when, we, when I was in high school, like, everyone had a man. All the, like, the hood dudes mm-hmm. had, like, Madden shirt. You would go get it, your, your nickname and your number on the back. Like, all that Damn. heat press customization stuff, they were doing it first. That's, like, D.C. is, like, the first place with the vinyl customization. That's where it really becomes popular. So, I see Eddie... I had this shirt at the time. It's like the Wizards, all the, all my favorite Wizards player on it. And I was just like, I'm going to give Eddie Van the shirt because I just walk up because he's like, it's madness. A, to you, this, he's like that dude. Madness is the Stussy or the Levi's of DC streetwear. Mm. Like straight up and down. So I walked up to him. I gave him the shirt. I said, I appreciate everything you do. I, I've been following you since I was a kid. You're like Ralph Lauren to me. And to be honest, I think he might have shed a tear a little bit. <laughs> he might not have. Sorry, Ed, I didn't want to say that. But like, but it, it was cool. Like I, I felt great to give him that moment where he got to feel somebody's like it's weird. Like we're sitting here talking, you have like no clue that this even exists. I have no idea you know? who this influential guy yeah, in the like, scene like, was. And then, to be honest, like Ed, like Ed, Ed, Ed was probably the person that really influenced all of us to Going to to business to do the clothing business, like to say like, oh, you're from DC, you can make it. Like we used to have like our own look, like um, the pants with like the drawstring cord, like the jump, the 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 the, the bungee cord at the bottom. That's like a DC staple, like look. Yeah, like all those things, like the New the, Balances, the the, the 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 brand going down the side of the pants. Oh with yeah, the tape. yeah, yeah. That was that was a big thing too. Or the rainbow, the rainbow lettering. That's a very that's DC a thing. very DC thing. Like people. People have like when other areas do it. I've always I've always seen Sol- Solbiato be on that. Solbiato, Solbiato. To be honest, they were so smart. Like they were very smart. What they did was they under like back in the day. Solbiato. There was another store on Seventh Street called Lifestyles. They sold same kind of stuff like Solbiato, Iceberg, Versace, uh, Hugo Boss, all that stuff. But Solbiato, they were smart enough to make their own clothes. <laughs> yeah, of course. They were like. And they didn't make it like Iceberg or Versace. They made it more like Madness and like all that other stuff. Like it's it's wild. Like Salviato was able, those guys were able to understand their consumer and like make a high-end Italian version of DC streetwear for them. Mm, so that's that so that's where they were in that's that spectrum. That is, yeah. Where Madness was more on like the street level. Yep, definitely. So like Salviato was where you could go in buy anything like Dolce & Gabbana sneakers, clothes, Versace. Like half my Iceberg collection when I was a kid came from Salviato. What do you mean Iceberg collection? Iceberg is another brand. Like back in the day there were uh, – so in the late 90s, uh, the most popular brands are Versace, 
Iceberg. Uh, what else was out there? Machino. And Gucci. I don't want to say it was like there. At, are were, you talking globally or no, just in this globally, area? Yeah, globally. Globally. So this is Jay-Z. This is like yeah. during the time. Echo where, was pretty big then too? Echo was definitely big. This is a high-end. Like, oh, you're talking high high end. We're talking okay, about Italian okay, okay, yeah. fashion house. Echo was definitely big. Like, But that's not, they were never high-end. Yeah, but never high-end. But like it was, it was different. And then Salviato was selling all the high-end clothes back in the day. So anything so naturally, if I make like a DC looking sweatsuit and I sell it next to this Versace, you're going to think like, oh, that's Versace. <laughs> oh, you're gonna, yeah, you're going to think it's I on mean, the same thing as them. To, same day, level. Like I, I, to be honest, the one thing that I wish Salviato had done more, or to be honest, every retailer in the DMV would have done, would be that they would have done more stuff with the community. Really? Like the longstanding uh, legacy of the previous generation of retail in our community that we used everybody up for money and we didn't put anything back into the to the mm. system. And we we gave a couple people opportunities, but those people left home. And um to be honest with you, like you might here up against the wall up against the wall a lot i hear a lot though when they closed legendary. in 2010 right that really like signifies like a big deadening in the retail industry as far as like creativity and people wearing different stuff like so is it back in the day up against the wall like if you watch a rap video that would be where you would go to get the clothes that you saw that was the rap spot. video, and it was like you know and everybody always wanted to make it seem like a hood store. Not really. Up Against the Wall started in 1960s. They started out as a hippie store. In the 70s became, uh, they became disco store. Mm. 80s, punk rock. 90s is where they got that whole urban vibe. And they were just and doing whatever it was. Off. In the late 2000s, in the 2000s, they took off into premium denim. But people don't ever tell the story that way because... Consumer tells a story however they but want. But that's kind of my perspective of up, up against yeah. what was kind of like the hood store. Definitely. But no one ever talks about in this area is the hood dollars what really pushes everything fashion-wise in D.C. Our people are, are more privileged, wealthy people in D.C. are pegged into wearing the same outfit for the past 30 years. They got the nice boat shoes, they got the khaki shorts, and they wear the uh, nice button-up. Rolled up. <laughs> <laughs> Three-fourth roll. With the roll. nice rolling. <laughs> they're, they're like, like, oh, you know, I got out of work. Let me yeah. undo the top yeah, one exactly. and roll up the you sleeves, know, baby. And that's the only thing. So, but, but, but back to your thing about up against the wall, because this has come up in conversation, I feel like, a lot. That I, it just ends up brushing over. Is the collapse of up against the wall it left, like, a hole in the it DC did. fashion it scene did. in a way? I mean, downtown Where, locker room tried to take over during that time. Were they pulling in, like, a lot of the local brands? Is that what was going no, on? No, there was... Or they were just like the distribution point for style. It was. That's what it was. It was the distribution point for style. Or, to be honest, Up Against the Wall had, not only here, I believe that we had 18 locations in the DMV. Mm -hmm. Then we had locations in Miami, uh, Los Angeles as well. Mitch Kupchak, the former general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers, was an investor of the West Coast expansion during that time. So we were pulling in stuff from everywhere and we weren't like the local person, but to be honest, like they brought in a lot of local brands too. Like we are one during the time and like they tried their best, but that's basically where you buy your hypebeast clothes before hypebeast. Like people were like, where do you buy 10 deep? 
or do you buy Crooks and Castles? I remember all those or do you brands. Buy that Commonwealth. Before Commonwealth, you buy it up against the wall. Was, and that actually leads to the whole retail beef. Retail beef. Then <laughs> who's cooler than who? But at the end of the day, everybody knows. Like up against the wall, we gave this stuff to the people. And it, it made a lot of other people mad. But at the end of the day, like the people who are mad at each other are never the people who are really making the deals. It's always some sales associate who or somebody who's not really involved in deals. When you start to realize, like, all these people kind of like each other, except for but those people who were out there before did not liking it. They perpetuated all this stuff to this point now where we're like, oh, we can't deal with each other. Back in the day, like everybody dealt with each other. Like they were just like, oh, we're here to make money. Like we're not concerned about who's cool, who's not cool. Like we'll so, let the employees think about that. So brands like Madness and We Are One, all these like, I guess, very legendary DC mm-hmm. brands in the 90s, they just went out of business and didn't leave behind anything for the, or they did nothing for the well, community. Well, still bolt. has a store on Silver Hill Road in, in, in PG County. Oh, wow. Uh, Madness, they had a location on Georgia Avenue for over 20 years and then they, they closed and then they reopened in, in, out in PG County as well. Like, they still have a following, like straight up. Like, the following is just not your mainstream who you think is streetwear. Like, Eddie, like, Eddie Van, the guy who does Madness, like, I'm actually surprised, like, I'm so impressed with him. He'll do a pop-up, and his crowd's a little bit older than our crowd, you know? So they get there early, and they tell Eddie they're going somewhere tonight, and they need something to wear, and Eddie hooks them up with the outfit and everything. But bro, I can't tell you 30 years from now that Someone could pull up at a pop up and be like, Doyle, hook me up with my gear. Yeah, but are they? But it's, <laughs> like, but, it's so impressive. But to are, me. are brands like Madness just operating off nostalgia? Or are I they think really, so. Or, or are they, to or, some point. Are they just and pushing it forward? Like, are they I like, no, I don't they'll think never. I think, to be honest, the scope of what they were doing was never that big. Mm. I think also, like, they didn't have somebody who was from the next generation. So they didn't really understand it. So, but. To be honest, on a nostalgic level, like it, it's impressive. It's like yeah. Alan Iverson shows up somewhere. You're like, fuck, that's AI. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh shit. You'll be 20, 25. You'd be like, you ain't see AI back in the day. <laughs> so it's cool. But at the end of the day, like all those brands and everybody, like I really wanted to be like a, a historian. I, I want to be a historian. You know Every, a lot about the DC fashion scene, dude. Everybody like in our area, I really wanted like. I don't want to tell people what's good and what's not good. It's not my place. But what I want everybody to know is, like, we should all be supporting each other. Even though, like, I can honestly say I have not always said that. I was kind of been, in the past, I've been, like, very standoffish and, like, you don't fuck with me, I don't fuck with you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But three years into this business, that's kind of productive. If I don't fuck with you, I should just not say nothing. And... It's not because I'm scared of you or I have any kind of, it's just because it doesn't help all of us. And I've realized for us to reach that moment where I'm talking about where the nation knows us, it's a point where a lot of us are going to have to just let down our guard and try to create good shit and just like let it go and just be like, hey, we're trying to win. And we could just pick up the pieces afterwards. <laughs> like if we don't like each other afterwards, like 
we can pick up there. Yeah, like, like we can, we gotta, it's <laughs> like, like we, we got to team up to fight this greater it's, this it's greater like, beast, but uh, we're not going to like it. Growing up Asian in, a, in, in the 80s and the 90s, it was like this, right? You're Vietnamese, you're Cambodian, whatever, I'm Korean, but we're in a classroom full of Americans, <laughs> right? And it's not verses, but like say shit goes bad. We're going to stick together no matter what. Makes sense. We have to because uh, it's not it's natural. But I don't want it to make it seem like a race thing. It should be like a thing like you see me coming. You see, I see what you're doing. We don't have to like be best friends or like I got to buy you something. Or I could just honestly say, bro, I fuck with what you're doing. I see you over there. Keep going. And you could reciprocate that same love. And I think that's what we really need. Like, just because you said somebody doing something good doesn't mean that you just filleted them. It just means that you are pouring positivity into the community. No, that's true. <laughs> Sh- shouting know? someone out and be like, yo, that's dope. As opposed to being in the comments like, this is so sweet fire emoji. Yeah. Like, that's a, it's, a, it's two different things. And to be honest with you, like, if you really want to talk, like, I, I tell all the younger people, if you really want to contact somebody... Don't go into comments and put fire, fire, fire. You're so flame. Like, bruh. Send him a DM. (laughs) Send him a DM and say something like substantial or like at least sound like a normal person who's not trying to suck your penis. Like a lot of these people don't get it. Like, and what people don't get is a lot of creators love that energy. I do. I love that energy. I don't like that. Like, if you're trying to be like, oh, I love you. You're the best. Oh, thing oh ever. that energy? No. That energy, no. I, like, I, I love you, when someone's like, yo, man, I love your podcast. Oh, I like, I like, like that. But that when shit that, makes my day. When you're like extreme fanboy. It kinda, like, yeah, that, it does feel like a little I'm bit like, like fellatio. Calm the fuck down. Yeah. Like, it is like, I'm not down with that. And it's just like, it's like you're caught up in the moment and I don't want to disappoint you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if that's like weird to say that, but it's like, that's how I feel. Like, you caught up in the moment. I don't want to disappoint you. But like, bro, but at the same time. That probably happens to you in person a lot, though. I'm weird in person. Because because for me, like, I'm so front facing with people that people already feel like they know me. And so they don't they don't do that as much with you. You're like a little more anonymous. Yeah, so when yeah. someone sees I you, they're like, they're like, they're like, they're like, yo, you buy enemies. Oh, shit, man. Like, it's weird. And it's like I've, I've, I've purposely not been so accessible on the Internet. You know, that that's an interesting strategy. Like, I, I legit had a friend with a good amount of clout tell a friend with a rising amount of clout uh, that he shouldn't be so visible at events, like that he shouldn't go to so many events, that he should create this oh. sort of, like, attention where... Because- I don't know if you should create that attention. I create that attention. I don't do it really purposefully, as other people say. Uh, what I do is... um, I don't really like going out. It gives me anxiety. That's just especially you. for no reason. Like, it's just like, we could go to dinner at Peking Gourmet and we could eat delicious Peking Duck. We don't have to go to this place with loud music. And, <laughs> you know? Just a chill. If I know I have something going on, I'll go out. I'll be outside and I'll have to be seen. And to be honest, since the way I've managed, the way I'm, my appearance or where, where I'm seen, it usually is always well received because I'm not out a lot. Mm, so you and, do think it is a guy to not uh, but, always hey, be out. To be honest with you, I think it matters how popular you are in real life. Mm. If you're not popular in real it's cool. Like if you're just internet popular, they see you out once, it'll be a big deal. They see you out four times, they, it's not going to be a big deal. It kind of wears off. Especially if you're not good looking or you're not like 
because a lot of dudes wear masks and all. I don't know if you've been on the streetwear scene. There's a lot it's very of weirdos. Anonymous. It's yeah. Very, it's very like, like it's like a lot of people don't want to sell themselves as the product because they feel like they'll get hated on. Yeah. Like I, there's this guy I met one time. He wears a mask, a straight up mask, and has a separate identity online for his thing online. And I was like, I never criticized it, but I was like, bruh. At some point, people gonna realize you ugly, and that's why you got the mask. But on. But, but you know what's re- you know what's interesting is that I've literally been told this is that people have well, I guess watched the podcast, and I'm talking about the Simple to Society one with Vo, and they were like, "Yo, like I I knew about the brain. I knew that I knew I thought it was cool. I thought what they're doing was really interesting." He was like, "But until I listened to him talking, until I saw him, he's like, I felt real connected with it, and he's like, and that made me like it even more. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like." That's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, like definitely. That's definitely. dope. Like someone's gonna watch this and be like, wow, Doyle's an asshole. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's actually no. the usual the usual thing. Like, no, nah, no, nah, man. I think I think I think people be like, yo, like he, he gets it. Like I just really like I'm I don't I'm not down with sugarcoating shit and telling yeah. people shit that's not true. And it's like half the shit you see on the internet and streetwear wise is fake. It's straight up fake. The sellouts, all those things that you see in products being sold out, it's fake. Like it's straight up fake. Like I can make my you know, online store sell out anytime I want to, mm. but it's not it, like we got to start realizing. It's all perception. It's, but it's not even about it is perception. And what the the focus should be on is like, do you as an individual like the product? That's what it's always been for me. I love Nike basketball shoes from the '90s. I love Nike Air Maxes from the '90s. I love a lot of shit that's nostalgic. You know why? Because I know that's me and that's what makes me. I know a lot of your designs are very yeah. nostalgic. So like, and, you know, that's the era I grew up in. So yeah. that's what I just do. So I don't know what these next kids are going to like. At least I know Michael Jordan was really great. Mm-hmm. Like, are you really going to be able to tell me like somebody from your era? Like the thing is now, like I used to like all these obscure players when I was a young person. And my brother would be like. Dog, they all suck. <laughs> I feel like he got twelve rebounds last year per game. <laughs> you like nah, and then I started realizing like, okay, stars are stars, role players are role players, and you know I get it. Like, if you really want to be a star, you gotta be a star. Like, can't be worried about like some role player or like how other people perceive you or would want to perceive you. And at the end of the day, like you're going to win you're going to win because of who you are it's mm-hmm. not because of anything other than that like i don't think winners win because of any other fact because they want to like we talked about politics or anything else like i'm going to run it up as much as i can doing what i can do i probably can't throw you a ten thousand dollar installation at some fancy hotel i probably can't do this you know what? I, I can I can make great graphic designs and print on the best blanks possible and give you a product that you'll be pro- you'll be proud of in ten years, even after I'm gone and I might be doing my my semi successful comedy career. <laughs> Bro, I'll, I'll be there. Oh yeah. no! Yeah, you let I'm me know. One hundred percent. I think I would have been better at comedy, but I just I have a a, a bit a bone to pick with this streetwear thing. I. I really need it to work. Like, so I, where where do you? You say, I mean, you want it to work, and like, where, where do you see it going? Like, oh, where, no, where no. do you want it to go? Like, oh, what's well, we, the what's the? So I'm gonna tell you the truth. I plan on doing this for probably like another three or four years. I hope 
that time I'll get, be approached by a larger company and want to get buy that, bought out. Damn. That's honest. Yeah. I want to get bought out. Maybe if the company the company buys me out, like uh, offers me opportunity to stay and control creativity, I'll stay on for a year or two. But as long as the, the purse is big enough that I can take care of me and my family, all the cool shit can go out the window and my parents' mortal life is secured, mm. we're good. We can make a deal. You don't feel like you'd be selling out a little bit like if you did, if you did something like that? No. It'd be different if it were for the sake of money. It's not for money. Because money's going to get made anyway. I got to take care of my folks. Well, then it's about money in that regard. Kind of. Like, but money not for the sake of money and me looking fly and buying Balenciaga, mm. but me taking my money and saying, Mom, you ain't got to work no more. Facts. Dad, you ain't got to wake up. At, my dad's 73 years old. He wakes up at 2 o'clock in the morning, <gasps> Monday through Friday. What the fuck? Okay, all right. He is a middleman between uh, carryouts and 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 uh, like buying vegetables. So if you don't want to order from Cisco, you know with Cisco you got to buy ten to start. You can't order ten. You call my dad. My dad goes and gets it for you. Eight, six, whatever. Uh, at one time they retired and they invested into real estate during the property boom. Unfortunately, they lost all their money during that oh. too. And my dad was about to die, to be honest, because he was in terrible shape because he had stopped working. And then he had to go back to work and tried to work for someone else, but he just couldn't. It's hard, man. And then he just got a loan from his friend. He bought a cargo van and boom. started That's, his own that's thing. a bona fide hustler, dude. No, straight up hustler. Like he started his own business. He came here with 20 bucks. <sighs> my mom, she's like right now she's not working. Every time I talk to her, it's wild. She says, always like, bro, if I was in my 70s or my late 60s, you're talking about like, oh, what are you going to do? Hey, I don't know. I think I'm going to die soon. <laughs> but she's like, they're trying to, she got recently laid off from her job because uh, the person who was doing the business decided they want to do it no more. And she said a little money. She's like, I'm going to start another business. Nice. She's like in her mid 60s. So it's like, I... I've been blessed. I didn't realize that when I was raising myself and they was trying to make everything else happen, but I've been so blessed that like if my last thing on earth is just to reciprocate the love they gave me, it's fine. Like I don't I don't care about anything else. Like everybody's always like, oh, okay, I look like I'm like care about material things. I don't really care about it anymore. Like mm-hmm. as a young man I did. But now it's just like if I can take care of my folks, I'll sell out to any deal. Straight up. Like, it's, it's like, who cares what you think like, about me? Who cares me? about what you think about my brand and whatever? Like, at the end of the day, if you saw that I sold this deal out to take care of my folks and you felt some type of way, you're a bad person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what it is. Like, you know, let's let's be honest. Like, the cool shit don't count when mom and dad got to worry about where the fuck they're going to live tomorrow. Yeah, you know? it's true. And I mean, that's gotta, real shit. That's real no, shit. No, no one cares. Like, you can't care what someone thinks and at that point. We're like, so, like, the wildest shit is, like, this generation before us were so much more wildly successful than we were monetarily. They were. They were. Like if, are, are you in your 30s yet or? Uh, I'm 28. 28, you're getting close. But like an adult at 28, 20 years ago. Had a family, kids, like all pension, kind of, like 401k. We're all fucking single now. Yeah. We're all like I didn't out even here ask by you. ourselves. You don't got no kids or nothing? No. Like I don't even, I, I stray away from relationships because I feel as though most people aren't equipped to be in a relationship with someone 
unless like in that in in my situation because i could probably in, in a personal situation i could be very charming and, and and different but like when shit starts to get hard you got to understand like shit is hard and i don't think a lot of people understand that especially if you're not in the life like if you're in the life i think it's cool try talking to michael oh sorry about that but like this is it's what it is like uh what do you mean if you're into life like if you're in the business life like i grew up my parents had a business one thing, if you if I ever wanted to get out of something or talking to my mom, it's like I got work to do. And that is the end of the conversation. She was like, I'll talk to you later. And I've never, it's weird. Like I, I talk to a lot of people and they don't feel that way. If you ever tell me like, bro, I got shit to do. I got to make money. Like for some reason in my mind, it's just like a priority. And I'm like, dog, you got to go do what you got to do. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. And I think that's something that's lacking, lacking nowadays. It's just like, we don't respect a lot of things that we should probably respect, like people making money. Like a lot of people are always talking about like, oh, man, this and that, that and this. And I felt this kind of way. But like the vibe was. Yeah, um, fuck the vibe. Like you went over to your friend's place and acted a fool at their job. Or you called them at their job and had them talk wild on the phone. Like these are things that a previous generation, like you I call you at work. I'm even if you're my girlfriend, I have something to like really be mad about you about. But I gotta talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, but it's interesting. You're 100 percent right. How it seems like the generation before us, when they were 28, 30, whatever, their shit was solid. Hey, bro, they had they, they had us, and they were like, but what happened with us? Where where do they go? Got wrong? no kids. And the ones who have kids, it's like we're waiting longer to have kids. But how come we're not as financially stable as everyone? Oh, it's not enough money. There's no, there's, there's no more money for everyone? There's no money. That's what it is. It's just straight up no money. And now, instead of, you know, like you got a business, I come to you, I go to the internet. Mm. And the internet, I mean, I'm not, if you're truly trying to find something special, you're not on the internet. Or you might be a little bit to find it, but not to click, 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 unless you're in Japan or something. Yeah. But like, that's what the normal people are going to, so... I don't see how we can. Uh, I'm hoping that things change because it really seems like people are like biting off their nose or like cutting off their nose to spite their face. As far as like this whole like where they're spending their money, who they want. Everybody's talking about they want service, but you don't want to spend any money. Like what kind of, it just doesn't make any sense. I think a lot of people get caught up trying to flex and look cool for public per- perception and, 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 just, and, and instead of be practical. Like there's nothing wrong with, being creative and having and having a part time job. I want to let you know something. Like, I don't think any time before my parents owned their first business that we were ever poor or we were ever rich. But I can never tell you like, my lights were cut off, my water was cut off, the electric, nothing like that. I never was hungry. I ain't never seen That's my parents flex ever. <laughs> But we had everything okay. <laughs> like it's a, it's 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 like we're so caught up in like showing everybody what we did instead of like making sure everything's good. And like I guess the older I get, that's how I feel. Like I don't. Everybody's like, "Oh, you should be doing more on this level and that level." But it's like, bro, I could show off all I like if it doesn't make financial sense. Then like I'm just wasting money. Mm. And it's just like it's a sad state of events when you waste money and you look cool. It really is a sad state of events because everyone thinks you're rich and you're like, dog, 
I just Ubered here. <laughs> you know, I just, Ubered. <laughs> you know, it's what it is. Dang, man. I hope we get bought out. <laughs> I hope so too. I hope all of you guys bought out. Like it's, 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 to be honest, that's how the closing business works. I mean, ASAP Bar doesn't own V-Loan. He's just the face of it. Off-White isn't owned by Virgil. Like, V-Loan is owned by the same company that owns Undercover and all those other, like, Japanese brands. Who, who owns Off-White? Uh, Off-White is owned by an Italian company. Oh. So, like, if you look at it, like, everybody's always like, oh, these people are so cool. No, their parent company is a huge company that's associated with Fragment, Bape, and all these other, like, uh, Undercover, like, all these great brands. So why do you think all these, like, pop-ups and all these exquisite things are happening? It's because these people are financially involved with each other. It's not because of this, like, super cool, like, mystical shit like Highlander. There can only be one bullshit. Yeah, I think people are just led in a direction to think that it's not that way. It's not. And most of the people that you're saying that are doing the designing, they're not even doing the designing. Some dude that looks like, not like even like us. Or like some lady that is just a designer who's making the clothes. And it's like, it, the wildest thing is like the celebrity designer doesn't even come up with the concept. Mm. Like in the previous years with like Mark Jacobs, you know, you got your Carl Lagerfeld, those kind of people. They directed the leadership of what they were doing. Nowadays it's like, okay, the designer, like the, 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 they'll come up with the thing and they'll show it to the designer. Virgil will be like, oh, that's cool. We'll do that. It's different. Oh, so you're saying Virgil's actually just signing off on I mean, things. It's everybody. To be honest, at, I at think, that point. I think you always get to a level where it's yeah, like it's that, Yeah, it's definitely right? like that. But, like, at the same time, like, sad when a lot of people think it's, like, some bluegrass shit where, like, some guy sitting in the same Yeah, where, where they think it's bullshit. Virgil, like, working hard every day, just, like, <laughs> drawing and being a mastermind. <laughs> like, like, no. like, Beethoven's writing his I'm fifth. like, he just DJed three nights in a row. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you think? Like, like, it's, like, no knock on anybody. It's no knock. But, like, we got to really get away from like the whole smoke and mirrors thing and realize like these dudes are making billions of dollars because there's multitudes of people doing the work. Like they're, they're just the faces. Exactly. Of it. And, but it seems like the DC culture, we just like been so much like government town. It's like so hard for us to realize the real like situations that people are in. And it's just like, it's cool. But I think we're growing to that moment. Like I don't ever want to sound like I'm a cup Half full, motherfucker. No, mm -hmm. is that the right? I'm half, half full. I'm half full. I'm not half empty. Yeah, half full is but positive. Like, I think, I think we're gonna move. I think we're gonna make. We're gonna move the charts and get to where we need to go because it's just too much talent. I think. I think. I think there is a lot of talent, and I think in a lot of ways they just need to make noise and and do things and and try and experiment and to throw events as cheap as they possibly can to collab with each other to cross pollinate and to maybe stop doing things that fragment cultures. Exactly. And I think it's just like, we should all be feeling like we should all win. Not like I should win more than you or, or, or we should be in, in more of a feeling of like, we should all take our turn. Like it's your turn. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with like, uh, like the, the minority, like how the money pool, you so in minorities, when they first came to America during the 70s and 80s. Do you want more? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So basically, right. So what happened was like they 
pool money together. And when it was your turn, you got to take the money and start your own business. Mm. That was, they don't do that anymore. But like, when it's your turn, it's your turn. But these are things that since we grew up in, in like a different time where we didn't have to do that, we don't understand it when it's your turn, it's your turn. Dude, times are weird, man. Especially being in a time where it's like college is on the brink of collapse, where no one believes in it anymore. Well, like I, I, I went to three semesters of school. The whole time I was selling drugs. <laughs> and the only thing I could remember the whole time was, why the fuck am I here paying you money? And you told me if I came late three times, you're going to tell me I can't get my credit. Which like, is weird because I'm Like I just paid you. you. Like, what are you talking about? And if I didn't want to learn, I wouldn't just show up. Well, it's like, no, I'm saying like, there, I feel like there's a global sense between oh. anyone younger and next generation where they're like, we don't need it. Like, unless no. we need some certification, like, we don't need it. And so I now- mean, if you're a brain surgeon or a- Of course you need it then. rocket yeah, scientist. I want them to well, need like, it. Photographer, in, interviewer, clothing designer, all this bullshit. Like, why are you making me take- English literature one on one, but then you realize that's a business. Hey, cheers, man. Cheers, bro. Oh yeah, I'm well aware. It's it's it makes me sad to be honest. Like the, the, the that. Well, I think I think maybe that's why everything's happening later for people is because we've hit a point where everyone's realizing, and I think everyone's going to go back to having trades and crafts and and being experts at things because we're not in that nuclear society where it's like. Go there, get a job, get your pension, 401k, retire at 60, have kids, have a dog. Now it's like, no, you got to go get it. You got to go create it. You have to, you're going to, you're going to go later in your life without having much money. And hopefully you, you get there without having to. I think that's for us. I don't think that's for everyone. Really? Yeah. To be honest, in our town, there's always going to be that job. It's true. If we were somewhere else, maybe like Orlando or somewhere like that, it'd be different. But in our town, it'll always be that way just because the government's there. But I think before you won't, or before you always had that conversation, like, oh, he's a fucking artist. Mm. I don't think we'll have that conversation like before, especially now. Like if you do HR at like Washington Post, you're well aware that the graphic artist lady over there in the corner who does the shit that makes more money than you. <laughs> you're like, oh, she just like, you know, changes lines on the paper or some shit. But like, you know, that's what it is. Like being an artist or creative nowadays in the corporate world is lucrative. It is actually good. They kind of want that sauce. They want that. The, they have to bring to. it in. Definitely. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm thinking that we're going to rise. We'll probably be... The only thing that could hold DC back is it does some DC shit. You know, when I'm talking about DC shit, I'm not talking about like us as in general, but like some really like politics bullshit. Like we all don't want to get along, so we fucking implode. Like, shit. like we just keep getting div- divisive and exactly. we start getting like race more racial point, towards each other, and everyone starts creating. What we've like, realized is like in DC, there's all these different factions. I'm in my own faction. There's some other factions that don't like me. But what we've realized is is like that's, there's some people in all the factions that like each other. That's that's my that's my bone to pick with DC that I've never really noticed until I've like really been here, and that's I feel like a lot of the events and things that happens they feel very. Not segregated, but they feel um, they're clicky. They're clicky and they feel excluded. Like I'm, yeah. like I'm a, I'm, I, 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 I look like a white dude. I'm not gonna We're go not, to an event. I'm tell you something. Okay, let's do it. Everything I told you about before about the people that made all this, 
they won by being cool by exclusion and not by inclusion. Mm. So when you go to places, that's why you feel like, oh, I don't feel welcome here because everybody's clicked up because that's the, that's the thing they pushed. And like we got to this point because everybody was cool by exclusion instead of saying, oh, we're going to let you in. You're whack. You're out. But no, we were like, no, if you're not cool, you can't get in. And it's kind of been to our detriment. It really has. Like it makes me sad to a certain point because it's like there's a lot of cool people who just not like cool cool but are talented and you should be using them and trying to work with them so so you i guess you want to stay and kind of be a leader in dc like of course you like i, I want to put on for everyone it kind of worked out that way because of uh that's how it worked out i didn't yeah. even want it to be that to be honest with you but the thing is is like nobody else wants to stand up and say this is not right and because a lot of times I said that, it's like, well, I'm not so popular around people. But at the same time, everybody realizes, like, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you because I'm not going to let people take advantage of each other. That's what it is. And then, like, I want people to tell a true story. If you're not going to tell a true story, then, yeah, I'm going to ridicule you. That's it. But at the end of the day, if you tell a true story, like, it's all double Vs. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. We're man, you, th- you think I could do that festival? festival? Any festival. <laughs> the festival that brings all the cool people oh, yeah. together, bro. Let to me be honest, anything is possible. It's all about execution. Vote, vote told me that. He was like, you're going to be the one to bring them together. Could, it felt like a prophecy could. moment. I was like, will I? Will I, I do it? I hate to do this. But I got you some restaurants. Dude, Does no. It's cool. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how long we've been going, yeah. but we can either end it here or keep going. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. I'm pee or I'm going to die. Let me see what time it is. Sometimes. 4.44, so we, it's, we've been here for like, I don't know, an hour and a half? All right, all right, you, you go pee. Where's, where's the bathroom? And I'll edit this out the video. Everything's going good. Well, shit. <laughs> Dude, you know, we've been talking for like an, two hours and 20 oh, minutes. I don't know. I'm just going to talk to you as long as you want to talk to me. No. I, I, <laughs> Dude, I, I, I can talk forever, but yeah. uh, maybe I should look at my notes. I feel, like, I feel like we've literally covered everything. Okay, cool. Just that, let me know. I mean, we, hey, I can sit here and bullshit, but if we got nothing else to say, we got nothing else to say. Fuck. That's cool. I got no idea. Let me know if you got any more points. I don't know, man. What's what's next? What's coming up? What's what's in the oven? Oh, we got. You want me? Okay, so we have a, a collab with. Uh, so May will be collab with uh, a local futsal club. Whoa! Actually, they're more. They're the most popular futsal club in D.C. I didn't know there was a futsal club in D.C. Yeah. Every Sunday they have like 80 or 90 people line up to play futsal. What? <laughs> and I'm not only going to play soccer, but uh, we were approached to do a collab with them. I want to drop their name, but um, they're one of the larger futsal clubs. And we really saw that it being a great opportunity to do like something in that like we never did anything stalker. Or anything that was like in that you do a lot of sports related sports related things designs. but not really like um especially not in that 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 uh demographic like we're talking about like a 20 to 30 25 35 young male it's a different you know, market yeah it's a it's different market to reach yeah, you know it's like this is completely different market so we felt it was great and then how are you approaching a collab like that like how do you approach something like that uh, i mean to be honest like i uh my investor like he, he met with them and then we talked to him and then, you know, we just looked at, I, I feel like if I look at your content, I'm pretty sure if we can work or not. And the thing is like, if your content's good, if your product's good, 
then we really do a real collaboration. It's going to always come out good. Like, it's just no, no way it wouldn't. Oh. After that, though, and we got the big thing. The big thing? The big thing. What's the big thing? In June. The big thing is, is, is me and Vogue going to get together. Oh. Simple to society. Enemies forever. Two Asian dudes coming together. Yeah, we've, I've done it before, but it's... Uh, a little different this time dude i really i really want to see you guys put out some pieces that are just insane oh me and me have already been designed can can you please make some pieces that are just like one of one that are just so insane that absolutely uh, no one we 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 we, we're really like uh really putting together something for everybody um damn that sounds crazy we the wildest thing is in in the dmv i'm the i'm like mr collaboration if you look around, everybody else in the DMV, no one really wants to collaborate with people. If they do collaboration, it's never really like, it's, no one cares. Mm-hmm. But when you collaborate with me, it's it's big. Like, it's, the reason is I'll make sure that we put the work behind it to make sure it works. The reason it's going to work with me and Vo is because his following, my following, Kind of are along the same lines, even though he lives out in Virginia, like votes from Silver Spring, just like me. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and our store is a Silver Spring. It's a slam dunk. But yeah, we all identified as like exactly. a DC thing. You know? So it's like, um, it'd be this and then it's for the yellow community too. Like I hate to say Asian community, it's a yellow community, but this is for the yellow community too. Very, like in DC, you're not going to see a whole bunch of, I am probably the most visible Asian creative, no disrespect to vote, but like, on the scene, like I don't think you're gonna see I'm trying to think anyone really hard. who's more like uh, visible than, or not visible, but like as as not as notable as I am. Like everyone knows who I am when I walk into a room because not because just the clothing, because of the things that happened in the past. Because I work for the government, it's just uh-huh. like I have a large network. So, um, so yeah, you're repping for the yellow people. Oh, we definitely. But growing up yellow in America, it's hard. Like. Connie Chung was, or Jackie Chan, or or our only options, like or Martin Yan. If Yan can cook, so can you. Oh my god! Like you just got to think as a yellow person growing up, you never really felt like I could be a designer. Even though all the designers are yellow, they don't tell you that when you're like a kid, because the person whose name is on the brand isn't who's designing the brand. But like if you go to every like design houses yellow people working there so it's it's cool but at the same time i'd like a lot more yellow people to come to the forefront i mean people it's just not normal in america it's normal everywhere else around the world like especially in asia <laughs> well, you, got, you got no choice there yeah i mean so it's like you know and i'm i, I want to put like i'm i don't want to sell myself as asian i I'm, I'm really an american person i never only time I've been to Asia, I went to Thailand for two weeks, and I'm not from my ethnic origin is in South Korea. So, like, I'm really American. And to be honest with you, like, I never felt more American than I went to Thailand. Damn. I had c- women from South Korea walk up to me in the subway and speak to me in English about directions and where to go because they probably thought I was American. <laughs> It's weird. Like, well, it's 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 it, the thing is like American isn't an ethnicity. Yeah. American is just it's a culture. It's, it's a, a culture. You're, can, fr- you're like American. Everyone from 
everywhere else can tell the moment you like walk in the room like that you're American. You're American. It doesn't matter if you're yellow. That's like, crazy. It's wild. That even there they could just distinctively feel you out and be like, hey, what's up? Where the hell do I go, dude? I talked to my mom and I was like, why wouldn't they just speak to me in Korean if they thought that I look like them? And she was like, ah, nobody thinks you're Korean. <laughs> that's so weird that's so uh, weird yeah, I mean, I mean do I, all Korean people know, they don't really relate to me as Korean like I always I used to feel kind of resentful a little bit like I wish I could get a little bit more support from the Korean community but it's just like we're just culturally different like dude you gotta speak in that microphone oh like they'd me. be like um, you, can, you can move it just move, like, just move the whole thing closer to it's you it's just like uh, being like I always like to use the Heinz Ward thing I don't know. You know who Heinz Ward is? He played wide receiver for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a half Korean and half black man. And he got Super Bowl MVP one time. Damn. And apparently the Korean people did not know who he was <laughs> until then. But they, you know what? Once he got Super Bowl MVP, they they celebrated him like he was like he was Joseph. And he was giving back to his parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Heinz Ward and the Technicolor coat. <laughs> But I think that's what's gonna happen for me. I, if, if my dreams come true, I think my success will, I like overcome the fact that I'm not truly Korean ethnically. Mm. But I think they'll, they'll respect. Do you, me. do you feel like you've never were accepted in the culture? Never. never. Really? No, not really. Why? I've never really. It's because I was just like um. I don't know what it is about me, but I've naturally always gravitated towards black culture. Mm. And black culture and Korean culture is not the same. It's like, a, it's actually like very different, like being loud and like having fun and like being boisterous is like looked upon as like a not good in the Korean Yeah, you community. shouldn't do it. That's not how we So yeah, move. like we're we're humble, we're nice, we don't talk a lot. That's what they want to sell themselves at. And me, I'm not that kind of person. I speak my mind, I act boisterously, I'll curse somebody out. Then at that point maybe it's just like I'm just different. And I'm I'm just very American in that kind of way. Mm. But I to be honest with you, I became that way because I in my generation growing up, we were very subdued. We didn't say things when we were upset. We didn't, somebody said something to us. We never said anything back. Like it was like we were like being submissive. Man, and, my, my perceptions of Asian cultures are very submissive yeah, in, and in a weird way to say. For me in America, that wasn't like how, I don't see my, my mom always told me to understand people. She never told me to be submissive. And it just really was like, I just never understood that. So, I always bucked the culture. Like, I'm not going to be submissive to somebody's like that. Mm. And then Asian people got mad at me. And I was just be like, you're not mad. At, you're mad at me. But you're not mad at that guy who's just making fun of you and I had to stand up for you. Like, what the fuck? But at the end of the day, I guess a person, like, if you want to cause change, you're going to cause trouble. So I'm causing change. So. I don't think anyone changed anything by, by conforming to how everyone thought, you know? I think sometimes other people got to see you be a certain kind of way for them to think that maybe I could do that too. It's true. Cause it's like, you gotta be that beacon. You have yeah. to be that person who, like who is so should. different that they feel okay within their little Definitely. zone. Like, it's like, I don't, you, you shouldn't have to think I'm being this way. Cause I'm special. I'm being this way. Cause I want you to stand up for you and I want to stand up for me. And that's just what it is being Asian. And just like, people don't talk about it like Asians a lot in America because it's like, we are the model minority. 
We go to school. That is true. <laughs> we Asians don't are talk dope. Y'all make good money. I mean, smart. apparently. Y'all open apparently. up restaurants that are great in Annandale. Like, uh, I mean, everywhere, like, apparently. Everywhere. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing about... Uh, Asian people don't ever complain. Oh, we do. You do? Just to each other. So you never hear. <laughs> That's what the thing is. Um, we're, 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 we're different people. We, we were raised to believe that, like, no matter how American we became, we weren't American. And it's like... Yeah. And, like, I believe I'm, like... As far as my definition of American, I'm probably as American as it's probably going to get. But, like, my parents always let us know, like, you're going to be Korean. Like, those people out there. Do you, see, do you see yourself, like, marrying a Korean woman? Um, I don't care who I marry. Okay. I always kind of felt like that was going to happen by, like, I accidentally got somebody pregnant or something. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shotgun wedding. It's cool. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey, we some good-looking babies, whatever. Good time anyways. I'd be like, that's how it worked back in the day. <laughs> people don't know that. Like, a lot of marriages they had back in the day, because people felt like the responsibility to get married because they had children out of wedlock. Like, how many people you know that really had children on purpose? I know, like, three or four, Damn, but, like, all but the rest like of them. that shit out? Like, that's, I don't know. That's pretty tough. Maybe, like, four or five people I know, like, the second kid's always planned out, but like the yeah. first kid is never really planned it's out. It's like, so oh shit. Okay. Like, and like the thing now is like, I think the Asian culture before, a lot of parents were together out of like, they had to be. Mm-hmm. And I think Asian people didn't want to be with any, but I think what we're starting to realize as we get older is like, we need somebody that's more similar to how we were, uh, to our upbringing to like understand us totally. Well, yeah, you, you, you identify with, with, with what you know, definitely, you know, it's, it's the, the fact that I don't date as many black girls. It's not because I don't think they're attractive. It's because I just, they, I don't identify well. The with wildest them. thing is like from the time I started dating till I want to say I was like 27, I only dated black women. Damn. Well, cause you, you said you identified the only culture. Well. I was hung out with the like, community and I was well, like, that makes you know, sense so then. it's just like, well, you know, I first dated, uh, the first Asian, the first person that was non-black that dated was an Asian woman. She was Filipino. And I say Filipino too. It was yeah. like, it was like so cool to not have to deal with all the culturally weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not the same as me, but you're 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 close enough. Your house smells funny when I walk in. <laughs> you're probably you thinking know? the same thing about you. <laughs> so it's like okay, cool. And then I dated a Korean girl, and to be honest with you, I didn't have great experience with that. So I was just like, maybe, maybe yellow's, maybe Korean, that Korean yellow is not the yellow for me. <laughs> but at the end of the time, I talked to my dad, and he was just like, ah, oh, you know, you can't date somebody from Korea. They're gonna have some ex- expectations of you that you're just not gonna be able to fulfill being American. And I was like, what you trying to say? And then I thought about it, and I was like, you're right. Like I'm, I don't care about all that bullshit. Like, Where, man? well, dude, um. I feel like we should probably wrap this up soon. We've been talking for like two and a half hours. Um, But before I go, I always like to ask this question. Um, Do you have anything to say to someone who's like trying to do something similar to what you do to the guy who wants to have that clothing line, to the guy who only knows you by your brand's Instagram or sees the moves you're making? Like what would you say to that person? Like, is, is there anything positive? It's like, I don't know. Like, Like, would you have anything to say to them that, you know, I'm, I'm sure you get these questions all the time in like the DMs and stuff, you know. But mm. to be me- honest, like what you what I want to tell everybody is it's the same thing. Like in the world, I believe creatives are light, and those of us who are not creatives try to monetize creativity. They represent darkness. 
So if you're really trying to out, be out here and do your thing, you should view it as being a light and trying to shoot out into the darkness, break things, and try to make, make, it, make a mark. If you're not willing to do that, you should just go ahead and just let it be a hobby. Like, it, like it's no shame in doing it as a hobby. But like for all of those of us who are willing to commit to it and have faith that it's going to work out, we have to believe that we're light in a world of darkness. Like it doesn't matter where we stand politically or like wherever, whatever it is. Like we, we, we represent light and creativity. Like I, it's weird that I believe that creativity is light in the human nature because it'll change everything. It'll, it'll make mm-hmm. things work. So just keep being a light. Don't let the, lar- the darkness take over you. Don't let the people, the big companies say you're not worthless or tell you that you're worthless and you're not worth what you think you are. And also make sure that you like substantiate what you earn by comparing yourself to the best. If you don't want to compare yourself to the best, then go let it be a hobby. And that's it. You know, let's be light. Let's gather our light together. And when we gather the light together, then darkness can't stand in the light. Dude, that's, that's, that's heavy, bro. <laughs> Dick Gregory. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, man. Uh, thank you for coming on, man. Cheers. Appreciate that. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys. Well, that's it. That's the angle. Peace. Oh, wait. I didn't say it. What? For, where, where they could follow you and everything oh, like that. you can follow me on Instagram, Enemies Forever, or uh, Without Cause on Instagram. 